Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to episode four of the Muse podcast. This week we have Chris Cody in the studio. Chris is a really interesting guy. He's got a background in rock music, pop music. He's got a background in musical theater. Uh, he came in, he, he played his pieces on piano and vocal. It was a treat to hear him distill what, if you listen to his material, is big and interesting and produced and psychedelic. Um, he kind of distilled it all down into just a guy and a piano, and that's really interesting. Um, not sure that the interview does justice to some of the material that he's put out with his band Almanac Mountain. Almanac Mountain, I guess you could argue, is a solo project, Chris writes and records and produces the songs. Um, but he brings in other people to play. They play as a band. Um, they have a new album coming up in October called Crypto Seismology. And he uh, came in and played two songs from that album for us. So definitely the first time anybody's heard this stuff. If you want to know a little more about Chris Cody, uh, you can go to almanacmountain.com. That'll take you to their Bandcamp page. And you can hear a bunch of stuff and get in touch with them there. As always, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're The Muse Podcast, all one word. And of course, you can always get in touch with us. Head over to www.themusepodcast.com, click on the Contact Us button, and speak your mind. We'd like to thank everybody who's uh, begun listening to the podcast. Uh, We're a little bit overwhelmed with the initial response. Uh, I'm also really excited uh, to say there are a number of people who would like to come in and be on the podcast. We're actively trying to fill out the calendar between now and, say, the holidays. So if you know anybody who you think would be a good uh, a good guest on the Muse podcast, all they got to do is bring in something new, something no one's ever heard before, and be willing to sort of step up and do it live. We have some really interesting things planned in the next couple of weeks. Um, so stay tuned as well. All right, people. Chris Cody. Don't do anything rash, but it's 15, 16, 17. 
17 shots in the back That sounds fantastic, cool. man. What a beautiful song. Wow, what's that song called? That song is called Kids Playing Outside, yep. and I didn't quite get all the Ta- lyrics. Take your time to, to move the mic. Don't worry about it. It's all, right. all good. Take your time. Kind of had some uh, uh, finger uh, fuck-ups there. Oh, but. come on, man. Don't worry about it. So uh, for everybody listening, this is... Uh, oh, thanks, John. Uh, Chris just played the uh, piece on the uh, piano. It's a little different setup for us here uh, as we as we figure all this stuff out, so we're moving his mic around, so he doesn't have to sit at the piano the entire time. <laughs> He's under the uh, yeah, no, and I, I uh, beautiful. There you go. No, I mean that's that's place. part of the whole thing here, Chris. Is we right. just like it to be really open and raw. I mean, you got the that point. was pretty raw. <laughs> no, the the point. <laughs> you really got the point across. What a powerful song, man. Oh, thanks. Do you want to? Uh, do you mind talking about where that no, came not from? Not at or? all. Um, yeah. It's it was actually the last song. So I uh, finished this album recently that I worked on for about a year. Wrote the songs, recorded them, and then I was done for for a long time. I was done, and then there was just as I'm as I'm you know putting together the the song order and 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 mixing and doing the final final mixes and pre master stuff. I was just feeling like there's something there's something that's not there yet. Right. So you had a certain number of songs done. Yeah. And then and I was I was done as far as I you know as far as I knew like I didn't there were no more songs but there was this nagging little thing. Do you have that kind of that time where where you feel like the project's done and you want to take do you take a little time away from it and then just sort of listen down to the whole thing? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I do that <laughs> several times throughout yeah. a, the course well, of a project. Pull, pull the mic a little closer. Yeah, okay. there you go. Great. Um, right, and so are you saying that maybe is that what happened? You, you that's what happened. Down, I mean, like, that, that's it was certainly the most extreme example of that because even all the other songs before that were there wasn't much time that I'd taken off, you know, between 
you know, maybe take a, a couple weeks off or, or you know, may, at most a month before writing a new song. But this, I had finished what I thought were all the songs um, last July, so a little over a year ago. Oh, okay. And then it was April of this year that I, that that song sort of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's, it's sort of about... It, it, a lot like it's not it's not directly about a specific here's you know here's uh, you know here's the story here's what's going on in the right. song specifically a lot of them come from the sort of sort of subconscious and um, just a lot of the things that I'm feeling at at the time and I guess um, with all the stuff in the world like with uh, <clears throat> with um, you know cops you know killing black people in chicago right. and and the uh you know the 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 wars and then the middle east and the and in and, and all these sort of renegade you know terrorist groups going crazy and right it's just i i in my head i just i couldn't help but feel like here are these extreme examples of people like you know how uh, fighting for their sort of place in the in the world outside, in the in the, in the streets, in the you know their their sort of place in the world, not in the, not in a you know where where does my where does our like our culture belong? Where does but where do I as a person? How do I feel in control of the the streets? You right. Know? Well, there's some really strong imagery, and I definitely got that that vibe out of it. Like just on first lesson, obviously. Uh, Briggs, have you have you heard this song, Briggs? Uh, yes, I actually have. I've, yeah. I have. Uh, I'm privy to early release of the album. I guess. Right. Well, we can talk about that in a, in a minute. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to distract the conversation, but I mean, so that was my first listen, and it, it and I I feel like I really got a good bite on the song right cool. away. Cool. I mean, really, really powerful. I like the presentation too. We noticed uh, when we talk uh, on the on the podcast, you can't really talk about music directly. You always need to use some sort of a comparison, right? You know, um, that was an interesting way of listening to the song too. Do you play the song on solo piano and sing it if you were going to do that live, or is this like a is this a, no, a band this is the song? The first or? time I've actually played it like that, right? Um, the 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 recording of the song is you know the. That part is played on a synth. Most of that stuff is played on a, a very kind of eighty sounding synth. Right. And then that bing bong is like um is like another synth bell. Right. And it's sort of supposed to sound like a doorbell ringing. Right. It you does. know, it did. It came out um, yeah. And and of course there's some there's uh, some sort of chugging guitar and bass stuff in there. Um yeah. And so when I recorded it, you know, the, I played a I played a very simple arrangement of those chords on the on the, the main synth, and then played all the other things. Um, but then playing it here, I, I wanted to, there are certain important elements, you yeah. know, that I sort of needed to bring in into it to play it, uh, you know, as a solo piece. And I think it, it it works okay. Certain things work better than others, but um, you mean on the piano? Yeah. yeah. Well, the piano is—it's an interesting. I mean, I play the piano. For me, it's like it's like black and white sketching. Like you, it, the the sound of the piano actually isn't that good. I mean, it goes like that's it, right? And you hit the note, and it basically dies. Like it's just like a you're like it's like a bunch of flowers that you make that are all going to die in like right, the right. next ten seconds. You know, the only thing you do is like make more. Like you can't. You can't exactly, breathe. you do you have to perpetuate it. Yeah, yeah you can't go like breathe life into the note. It doesn't work that way. It's right, just right. This yeah, dying yeah. thing. So you you kind of have when you listen to somebody playing the piano. At least you know for me, 
it, it, I always feel like I need to fill in the rest of the sketch, like like a charcoal sketch, maybe visually. Right. Um, you know, you fill in all the colors yourself. You don't need to draw the color. I know what a flower looks like. You right. just give me the outline, you know. And that's a, it definitely came across that way cool. uh, you know, on this listen, you know, where... And especially because I don't know how it's going to... Obviously, the people listening won't know uh, how it's going to sound until the uh, album comes out. Right, at some right, point. exactly, yeah. So going back to what you're saying, so so you had this group of material that was working. Um, then you went back and you thought something was missing. It Was it was that what was missing? Was that I, sort I mean, of reflection, it, you feel like? It or was certainly it? feels like that's exactly what was missing. Um, it really found its way onto the album, like, you know, immediately after I wrote it. Um and I think it it fills out a lot of the the sort of underlying themes on the album anyway. Um, and you know it just you know practically speaking, there's also you know it's another another more up number, right? And you know there's there's a lot of you know, there's a fair amount of medium tempo uh, and higher up more up tempo stuff, but a lot of slow stuff too. So I felt like it was a nice. You know, if I was going to add another song, it I wanted it to be something more up tempo. Right. Um, so it, it it worked that way, like I said, in a practical way. Do you feel like is this like an outlier on the album, or is this typical of what the oh, the album is about? Um, I wouldn't say that it's an outlier. No, I mean I think, um, like I said, it fits in. I think with a lot of the the themes on the album of. Um, I guess trying to understand, uh, you know, your place in in America, in capitalist society, and um, and the the uh, the the way that certain groups are marginalized, you know, um, yeah. within that structure, and um, I just I, I felt like it fit um, because of those reasons. Yeah. I've heard the album, and uh, you know, I would not have known that that was uh, that song in particular was written many months after the rest or whatever. It fits cool. it fit really good. Um, very enjoyable album. Yeah, it really I liked it a lot. Thanks. I mean, it really felt like it, it. Like I said, it felt like it was. It really belonged there. It was it found immediate? You know, and I, I, in a way, I think it's sort of become one of the one of the sort of heart pieces of the of the album. Um, uh, I, I couldn't imagine it without it. You know, at this point. So I'm glad it came to me. <laughs> so taking a step back, when you when you look at uh, at writing, uh, so you're referring to the album. Do you do you do you, do you find yourself writing material um, with that bouquet of like as a flower and a, like a whole bouquet? Are you writing for the album throughout, or is that something? Certainly, everybody would understand writing those last couple of pieces because you feel right. like you know. You need a couple <clears throat> more songs or whatever. Yeah, or right, and there's so many different purposes uh, for writing an album. What are some of your re- like? Do you look at things? It sounds like you look at things in an album sense. Is that the case? Often, yeah, okay. I would say a lot of the time because I, that's how I got into it, into music in the first place. Is um, you know, I've always been drawn to music even when I was a kid, but I didn't. But the idea of making music as art and being able to express something with it, right. Was I mean I grew up with like soft rock and pop like the stuff that my parents played and I love that stuff you know and it sort of it definitely uh, in influences my music today but it wasn't until I discovered you know and it's totally cliche but like you know those like mid seventies Pink Floyd albums like 
wish you were here. The wall, yeah. animals. Nothing cliche about that right? at all. No. They're so good. But it was like, like fall into that. Right. right. But it was like, wow, I could, I, that was the first time I felt like I can do this. I want to be able to do this, you know, and, and to, to be able to, 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 to be able to express an idea, you know, sort of a longer form idea beyond just having like three minutes to do it was really enticing to me. And, um, and, uh, you know, and then I, I, even when I composed music, cause I started off writing, you know, uh, piano compositions, it was always like these suites of piano pieces that were about like, you know, like things that I'd experienced in nature, for instance, you right. know? Um, and then I got into, into musical theater and then that's really for a long time where I kind of felt like I had found this great home of uh, a, a place where I could you know, tell a story in a long form with music. So you wrote for musical theater. I did. Oh, yeah. fantastic! So, uh, yeah, I deliberately kind of stayed away from your your story here because I know Briggs knows you really well. Right. So I figured, you know, rather than attacking you with, like, right. we <laughs> all know your life story. I'd like, <laughs> I'd kind of, you know, figure it out as it goes. So, wow. So that's a that's fantastic. I mean, writing for musical theater is um, for those who maybe have not thought about that is quite an undertaking it's it's not as simple as let's write a bunch of songs get my friends no, record it no. and then go gig on them you know or something so that's a large format thing similar i mean kind of similar to an album in a way i guess right, right. it's a you know yeah but there's all those other people that have yeah. to perform it sure right? sure <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean and that was that was honestly that was that was one of the things one of the reasons why i sort of got away from it eventually and started doing the same thing in in recording albums you know it was that I, I i didn't move to new york i didn't move to la i stayed here and while there's a lot of great actors and and performers around here it's really hard to find a good core of, of musicians and singers um to really do i guess justice to the you know to the music that i was trying to to, to write or that a I was absolutely. writing. Yeah. Um, and so I was frustrated by that. And, and, you know, and, and of course, you know, it's my fault because I could have just said, well, this, this, I need to go and find the place where I can do that. But I didn't. And I, and instead I went back to, well, you know, God, what did I used to do? And, in, in, you know, when I was 17, 18, um, you know, I had my task cam 488 and I would write songs and record them. And like, I can record, I can rec I can just I can do this all myself. It, I don't have to depend on on someone else who may not get it. It's you know, who may totally not right. It. I'm giving Briggs the glance. Yeah, four tracks. The ta the task em. We're we're batting a, a thousand. Yeah, everyone. You can't bat a thousand, can you? I don't know. <laughs> you can. Uh, yeah, it's a hundred percent of the time. Amazing. Everybody how influential has the, the four the track, track is. Yeah, everyone had one. Yeah. And they're great. Everybody. Yeah. Well, I, this, I had the. I it was the, this was the eight track. No, oh, yeah, the eight track. Oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Know your Porta Studio <laughs> right. break. I'm a four twenty four guy. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. One of those. But, <laughs> yeah. right, right. but the, it was the eight. But you could flip the thing over, right? Was it still on a cassette? Yeah, it was on a, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. On right. a quarter but inch. You could, yeah. you could pull the cassette right, yeah. out and then Eighth you could flip it. Eighth inch. Yeah, but yeah. you could flip it over and then everything would come out backwards and shit. Right, right. So That's if you want to do your, your backward masking Led Zeppelin shit, you yeah. could just flip it over and record on that one track, but it wasn't track two anymore. Yeah. Now it was oh. track seven. Well, listen, I got, yeah. a, <laughs> I got a great story about what Please. got me into like multi-tracking in the first place. My brother 
had this boom box. It was one of those, it was like a Sanyo two, de- you know, two deck boom box. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was about 18 inches long and, you know, like, and rectangular and, and small, really. And it connected to like the side speakers are on the outside. You have two separate cassette decks inside the middle, right? I got yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. It was pretty portable. Um, yeah. And you know you, you you could you know you could dub a tape you know over to to the other side yeah. and but one day something I don't know how this happened but it got dropped down the stairs and after it got dropped down the stairs it suddenly gained the ability to bounce multi track what yes you could record <laughs> <laughs> you could record stuff like and and do it backwards and then have it and then mix forward stuff with backwards no, stuff. No, I get you. I get you. You yeah. could do like you could do everything with it all of a sudden. We called it the Wonder Machine. It is the Wonder Machine. <laughs> you dropped it down the stairs and it gained features. It did gained powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. That's, That's fantastic. Great. So I learned how to sort of ping pong record and I just right. started recording stuff on that. Right. So ping pong meaning that you you'd put down like three or four tracks on one of the cassettes and and then you'd take all four of those and put them on just one of the tracks on the other cassette. Yeah, like right. you'd record a part, like say, you know, I like played the guitar, tracks, right, record right. it, and then I would then I would play that. Would you dub that? I would that play and it play and dub it to the... To yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would dub it and play it live. Play to the, the other one, yeah. Live and then wow. back and, and then forth and back and forth. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, you know, the obvious quality to degradation after a while that's, but that's part of this probably a sweet right. spot in there where it sounds awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah it worked like for the six tracks it worked for the beatles yeah so, sure right, you know. right. yeah they i hear they dropped all of their equipment down the stairs <laughs> i don't think that's what happened so it was i think Lennon thing. everyone should go and take at least one of their you know pieces of uh, expensive equipment drop throw it down the throw stairs it. and see what you get yeah see what happens right it's crapshoot sometimes you win most of the time you don't all mm-hmm. joking aside that's a great story because like i don't know like i figure this is just me talking, but but a lot of art is is just decisions, and you know that or the the process is making decisions. But a lot of it is taking advantage of what you have in front of you, amen. Yes, and then making decisions as a result of that. Absolutely, there's a lot of people. It's a hard way to say. It, I don't want to ever say it. So there's a lot of people that would have once the thing hit the ground say this doesn't work anymore. Right. Yeah. And there's like where the artist shows up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, someone like you in this situation is going, hmm, right. got to get more C batteries for this thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's right. a great decision. So but it's also that's a fascination, right? Like, well, when you were doing that, were you trying to were you trying to copy something that you knew? Like were you trying to go, you know, make half of Bohemian Rhapsody in your. I Bohemian did a lot Rhapsody of that stuff. Or was it or were you just making shit up? Or? I was doing it was both. And we'd also do like sketches. I remember I did this one sketch where I took. I did like a fake interview, like radio interview you're, with you're, you're with killing me. Simon. I love this shit so much. <laughs> it's so good. Young, you young people don't know what the shit you're right. missing, yeah. man. It, it was oh man, like I don't know if you're, I don't know where you are, but like Fire Sign Theater or or uh, or Monty Python. Yeah, kind of I thing? was right. big into Monty Python. Right, right. Um, but it, this sketch was like, you know, it was like a radio guy interviewing Theodore from the Chipmunks, and he and it's about how he'd sort of like went off the deep end and got into drugs and everything, so and good. started like recording like really crazy music, yeah. and so. I ha- I recorded it so that you know obviously the interviewer was had a normal voice but you know I used a sped up version of my own oh, right voice and and uh, you know the yeah. music he 
that he performed. And, you know, they did a little sample of of this you know druggy music that he was he was writing, and it was uh, so, I just used the the gnome Pink Floyd's you know that Sid Barrett <laughs> right. song. And Theodore's like whacked out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away about your your new album, but some of that stuff kind of comes back on there too, right? There's like There's some, some, some radio kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, not exactly. like not like on like a rap album or something. Like no, that, no, you know? no, no, no. Exactly. It's it's really organic and it flows. And there's I don't know if, if I should talk about this or not, but there was one kind of like well Delilah esque. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, that yeah, was exactly, great. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Delilah, the radio show, Colin radio show lady. Yeah. There's kind of an homage to that. It's hilarious. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was <laughs> awesome. Delilah's the best. Yeah, absolutely. She, on the way home, she would talk so <laughs> quietly. <laughs> and she'd always give, uh, for me, I thought she'd give shitty advice, honestly. Oh, I know. Yeah, but it's, but it, you know, it's nice to listen to. It's always like, and then the, you get to hear guy, some awesome every, crappy Every song. guy yeah. involved in any story is always an asshole as far as she's concerned. Well, that's the truth. Like, somehow, in, you know, <laughs> empowering women through teaching them that all men suck or something. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, hold on. So let's just call it out. So uh, Briggs, are you so are you working with Chris right now? I mean, I play bass in in kind of the, I know the you live version before. of the of the the Almanac Mountain Band. Okay, is that how it works? That's that's true. I can confirm that. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. I mean, it's yeah. Al- Almanac Mountain is the uh, yeah. One. So what's your current uh, actual gig? Sort of. What, how does that work right now? You so mean, like, what are you gonna do with this uh, with this album? You 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 put it out. Will you will you play shows? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, at least a release show, which we're which we're doing um, October twentieth oh, at the Bird's Eye Lounge in Portsmouth. What a cool place! Uh, yeah, I'm excited. The yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, they just started selling coffee too. Which oh, good, is a good idea. Good. In um, my yeah. Book. yeah, and John and uh, John will be playing. That's um, fantastic. And and bass. the name of the act is Almanac Mountain. Almanac Mountain. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you mind backing it up again? Not so, at all. So, how did you actually get? Well, when did you actually start writing music? Was that something you always did from the very beginning, or no? Um, I started writing music when I was about fifteen. Um, I you, you already knew how to play the piano at that point. Um, I I had a good ear. I could pick out tunes. Um, you know, I had a little one of those little, you know mini organ sort of things when i was a kid and with like the found fan that i was it? able to like what was it one of those little organs with like the fan in it yeah oh yeah the yeah the audio yeah, yeah yeah and you could you could raise the volume by and it would just get the air would just get louder yeah, yeah like yeah. a little so electric awesome. organ we need to get one of those in here i have one i can bring it over oh yeah oh, i would love that nice but cool. you know i i i figured out that like i could if there was a song i knew i could figure out the melody you know and so and I just, I didn't think much of it because I thought anybody could do that, you know, and, and a lot of people can, but um, there was definitely like a musical inclination there that, because my parent, neither of my parents were musicians, it didn't get really fostered. Um, I took violin lessons w- when I was real little for a bit and I just wasn't interested, but it wasn't until uh, in high school, my, um, one of the teachers uh, there uh, he he had a band uh, called the Spectres. They were you know in, back in the '60s, and they played all through the the '90s and 2000s. Sort of a Around local here? band. Yeah, I think I know exactly who you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I mean band. a lot of people knew them. Yeah, they used to play at the Hampton Beach yes, Shell. Absolutely, yes, the that's Spectres. them. Yeah, and they didn't mean the weird, scary 
ghost right spectra things. yeah the spectra yeah okay yeah so uh richard ray who was uh who was the bass player and and i think lead singer of that band he taught chorus at at winnicott high school where i went and he had this was basically a closet with all of his old recording equipment and old like analog synths and and he started this like electronic music class and there was like six of us in it or something like that and that's where really the fire just was lit and i got this program called deluxe music construction set for my computer it was like a composition thing that, uh, that awesome. he showed me i have me. no idea what you're yeah, talking about right the name is great though yeah deluxe music it was just you know it was like an early it was like a it was like an you know early no, notation software yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I would get scores, like classical scores, and I would enter them all in one note at a time j- right. just so because I wanted to hear them. scores that yeah. they would program it in. Right. Cool. And that's just because, like, oh, I can hear this now. But, right, right. But, 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 you know, it caused me to really learn a lot just by doing that. Sure. So then I started doing my own compositions. And, uh, you know, that, that, that came first. And then... Well, so it would be like, is this sort of a pre-midi kind of thing? Like, like then it would play back? It would play you'd back you'd through the, the computer, it would, or right. it would play through MIDI. And when I did right. finally get, you know, a couple of years later, got my first electric keyboard, you know, that's when it really, that's when I really was able to do even even more. Uh, yeah, and I think it became. I, I want to say it was a, a, a relative of Finale, maybe, because okay. then it became something yeah. called Music Pros, music and then Music Pros, pros I, I think, yeah. became yeah, yeah, yeah. Finale. So it's kind of a, a proto finale, maybe. Sort of thing. Yeah, I that's how I remember it, but I could I could be wrong. Oh, you mean DMCS? Mm. DMCS. <laughs> yeah, DMCS. <laughs> if you said DMCS, I would have known what you're talking about. It's a it's an Amiga thing. That's what we're looking for. So, well, I had it on the Apple IIe. Right. Nobody was. No, re- no, I didn't. It was on the Mac. Sorry. Right. This was, was originally made for the originally uh, made for Amiga. For the Amiga and the Apple Macintosh home computers. Yeah. Yeah. So many people. Uh, in EDM or in or in just electronic music, will like talk about the original Amigas, the STs, things like that, okay. as like that's the that's shit. The one. Well, yeah, I mean, even at the same time as this, which is sort of like like I'm, I'm looking at, we're looking at it on the uh, on the iPad now. So yeah, it, it it looks like an early version of like any modern noting notation right. software like Sibelius yeah. or Finale, but. But the the ST used to just do all this cool shit, and that that's where the whole tracker scene came from in the first place. Oh, okay, this is the um, dance music that sounds like a Super Mario kind of thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, there's a we big, know about that, yeah, yeah, love it. Well, there's like a huge crossover into uh, video game music, which you know I'm totally into. So sure. yeah, it's wow, you were right there. It's '86. Yep. Oh, damn. Son. Yeah. Well, no, it, this would have been. This would have been, I think I, you know, I finally caught on to it about 88, so. Oh, no, 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 uh, I understand. A little behind. No. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's still But count. this was this pre-internet. That's pretty fast. In, in 86, yeah. yeah. Ah, cool. Some, some compared, some compared the Amiga's sample playback at the time to the first Insonic Mirage sampler, which was selling for more than $1,000 in the mid-1980s. Wow. Oh, geez. I can see the problem. The program required 256K of RAM. That's mm. a lot. Mm. Yeah, mm. could be used for simple playback and complex music comedy with as little as 512k of RAM, which at the time was Yikes. a master. That's a lot. That's fantastic. Yeah, they made for the Commodore 64 and the Apple II. Man, you had an Apple II, I'll bet you. Apple IIe, yeah. Ah, oh, that's so cool. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, we got I, I, we dove deep. Oh, it's the, great. Uh, it's still it's still DCMS. at my parents' house. I'm I'm certain it will still boot up. Oh, damn! Wow, you cool. should break it out. <laughs> there's the there's the uh, little karateka. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great game. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. People pronounce it differently now, but yeah, tell you <laughs> that's uh, you know what happens if if uh, if we if we pimp this uh, this podcast, people will be asking. Asking you on stage to to rip out the uh, (laughs) right, you're gonna have to start packing the apple to gigs. (laughs) Pull two e, you got to do like a a a tracker version, a a DMCS version of this song. A lot of people that do that, right? I mean, there's I know of this one guy who takes like old Sound Blaster cards, yeah, and that's what he uses to to make his tones or whatever. And he's great. Oh, absolutely, compositions are great. And this is how I, you know, I often end up with recordings that i that i don't really that i can't really play or that i have to you know right. i've written an album sure. you know oh you gotta go out and play it now oh i do like i only played it once right <laughs> we were know. talking about this before uh before chris came on which was uh just because a composer writes something doesn't mean they can sit down at the piano and play and right, sing it like right. you, it's so weird having to go back and learn your own song yeah, yeah. like it's someone else's song right. even though it's your song exactly. but you still have to right yeah yeah exactly how, what are you gonna play and how are you gonna yeah play? yeah, yeah. Unless that's the part you're going to play on, like Jewel. You know, she always plays the same damn thing. <laughs> right, but, right, exactly. I mean, but using the technology to your advantage, too, yeah. you can kind of, you can program in things that you physically oh, couldn't geez, do Oh, geez, you should hear me you take know? guitar solos as long as I don't <laughs> actually have to take guitar right. solos. I just play this whole like 40 times and sure, pick all pick the best the good parts, notes, yeah. jam them all together, oh, yeah. and I sound like Bob Beale. It's oh, great. Yeah, that's the best. Oh. Although I still don't sound like Bob Beale, uh, whatever. I love that that, proce- that process, though. Like on, on this album, I had uh, my friend Andy come play uh guitar parts on a couple songs and you know i would do you know break all the parts into you know in you know eight measure sections or something like that and and uh, have them record you know a dozen times or more you know and i love that process to me that's that feels extremely creative you know going back and frankensteining a solo together based on these elements and um really love it And, uh, and many more you know casual music listeners don't realize the extent to which that that's been happening forever i mean right. that, that that happened on whitney houston tracks sure you know? i mean people i know I'm, it's like i'm blaspheming to say that but that's absolutely the process and Since, it's totally legitimate too yeah. why the hell not no it, sure. exactly if you're making a recording yeah exactly there's two ways to make a recording throw up a bunch of mics have everybody play live and go home right or piece it together and once you start piecing it together you know you, you you're basically, you know, GMOing the entire thing anyway. So <laughs> it's like you can't, you're not going to go back. I mean, right. what, at what yeah, point does it make a difference? Right. If but you're doing it, do it. But it sounds like, you know, maybe I'm guessing at it, but it sounds like that's actually part of the composition process for you. Like, like the recording process is part of the composition process. Yeah. Or you segregate the two things. No, not entirely. No, I'll definitely will, will start, you know, I'll take an idea and sometimes you know, just a, a simple phrase or something, I'll decide, okay, I'm going to put this down and I'll, and I'll record that part. And, and then I'll build, I, 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 I shift around a lot, whether it's, whether it's writing lyrics uh, or the music, you know, I'll, or recording all three of those aspects can happen almost at any time in the process. Right. Um, Do you make demos? No. That's huge. That's cool. 
So do you just you just kind of lay it out and then keep working? Yeah, on I just that work. I work on it like a, yeah, exactly. You know, re-record stuff sure, sometimes sure. if I have to go back, but, but within the same uh, project or whatever. Yeah, you exactly. Call it. Yeah, the same project. You end, you only yeah. end up with one kind of version. Yeah. Of it in the end. Yeah. So how does that usually go for you then? Do you do you messily? No, I know I, I understand. <laughs> That's why I'm asking because there's so many options, right? So okay, so I'm fascinated with this. Do you work on wh- when do you actually start recording? Like how much of the uh, material is written when you record? Do you say I'm going to go do, do, give me a beat? Do, do, do. Or vips. are you are you starting with lyrics or where what do you what do you, how does that work? Could maybe some examples of off this new record. How did that work? I mean Yeah, it really varies. Some songs like um you know this one um there's one song that's just it's 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 the only song in the album that really is stripped down to just essentially just piano and vocal. Right. There's so there's some bass and and light drum, uh, you know, in the second half of it. But it's really the moment on the album where everything just sort of whoosh, gets out of the way for for that that song. That song, for instance, was composed in a much more traditional way and completed before I started recording it. Um, a song like. Uh, like for instance, the one I just played. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the entire process of it, but I, I definitely can say that I probably came up with the, uh, the sort of basic verse chord structure. Right. And recorded that. Before lyrics. Um, yeah. Okay. Before lyrics in this case, and then came up with a melody, mm-hmm. and you know, and 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 then some words sort of around that melody, and then probably recorded that. And then was like listening to it, listening back to it. And, you know, so where does this go now? And then, you know, would play it and sit at the piano and and then start coming up with something else. And then I would go and set a new, in, you know, a record in point and right. record the next part. Cool. And then, you know, build it and then just sort of smooth everything out. Um, and, you know, and then, and then, you know, the lyrics, I mean, I... I mean, I don't know, like I said, if this is this was the case with this song, but there's definitely songs where, you know, everything ended up getting recorded before even I was finished writing the lyrics, you know? Right. So, I mean, except for the vocals, obviously, but... You no, know, I mean, that's, that's super typical for a lot of bands. I mean, even just huge bands like Aerosmith, they talk about, you know, getting Tyler into the, into the uh, booth and going just... Yeah. Well, I think we have that. And they get into the end and go like, okay, now we got to write some words for this. Sure, right, right. Well, we 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 used to not really have that that freedom, and I think most bands, you know, their their op their option um, is to say, well, you know, we got a band and we got we're going to record an album, so you need to we need to book recording time. Well, you can't. Unless you're Aerosmith, you can't afford right. to just go into a studio and book the time. And write like, an album in write the studio. Write an album. I mean, God, that'd be great. But working, uh, you know, working at home and having a small, you know, sort of home setup. Right. You can do that. You can have the Aerosmith experience. Sure. You yeah. can let stuff at home. marinate for as long yeah. as you want. Yeah, exactly. Come back to it. Well, I think that whole thing changed to around that. Well, I mean, it's changed a number of times, but on a large scale, around the sort of the land, Daniel Lanois produced era, that kind of time uh-huh. where where people got out of the every drum needs to be recorded in a dry environment and then re you know uh reconstituted with with gated in reverb and all that shit yeah, yeah sure. and and Lenoir would be more about 
let's get a let's rent a a, a mansion in New Orleans somewhere right. and like go in there and it's going to be totally great. Sounds and awesome. Just get a bunch of rugs and put them up on the wall and just throw some mics and figure out, you know, and we'll put you in the kitchen, you know. Right. I love that shit and mm-hmm. I think it, it changed a lot. But you're still talking about, you know, creating the moment. That's what I'm what I'm getting out of this is like you you seem to be creating the moment like like you're applying the paint to the brush as you're making the stroke, which is yeah really cool. I mean, where does do you, do you, is that just how you've always done that? I think is? I think about it a lot because you know I, I know that a lot of other artists don't work that way, and I think I think it it may have something to do with I with the fact that I think I have a very uh, um, sort of hyperactive mind, and it just. I'm I'm always thinking about the next thing before I've dealt with the thing in front of me, you know, like my right. head, my my head is just always ahead of where I'm where I should be. Um the guy who taught me to mix was just a chronic abuser of that situation. He'd like <laughs> almost get a track to sound good and he's going on to some I'm like I don't want to call him out. Like can we wait but that's not done. He's like, I know, I know. We'll come back to that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. Well, why don't we just not come back to that and finish that? No, but and but I learned that that's a totally cool process. It's like, okay, you're cool. Sit. I'm going over here, right? And then is that how it feels? Yeah, I like, mean, yeah, it feels very much like that, you know. And I, I very much, I go with my impulses. I'm very, I'm very impulsive when it comes to creating stuff, and I don't necessarily always have the discipline to say well you know it's definitely like i agree it's probably a lot cleaner to work you know like do this first do that and to have a process but i've never been a process oriented person in anything in that my also life. holds the idea that clean is good that's not necessarily true, right exactly right? it's it's i mean i i do what works for me like i said i'm you know i i i go with my impulses more than i go with you know trying to do things the right way and it causes a, it causes quite a bit of anxiety too because <laughs> i feel like i should be doing it, i should be doing it in a more sort of process based kind of way um and i have to convince myself a lot that no this is just this is just how you do it you know this is just how you work and there's no know. right way to do right, it right exactly you know? just right just do what you do um but you know in, in every in every sort of aspect of my life i'm kind of like that I mean, it seems to work for you, though, right? I mean, you're prolific. Like, you have a number of albums, primarily. Yeah. Like, you, you play most, many to all of the instruments on your stuff, right? Yeah, f- yeah for the most part, yeah. Yep. So, seems to be working, right? Yeah, I guess you, so. Do you record most of the time at your house? Or yep. not your house, you know, like where, where you live? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep, my uh, apartment. That's it's a, fantastic. It's a pretty small room, but right. uh, um, it sounds okay. And, um, you know, I'll do, there are certain things I'll do... Uh, like some of the vocal takes were done at my friend Brian's. Uh, he's brought, my friend Brian has a little project space in Hampton. Yeah, I mean, call him out. Um, give, him, yeah. give him some love. Yeah, and he also ma- he masters my all my stuff. You know, we just have he's uh, he's been my friend since high school, and we you know we immediately connected over over shared musical and you know artistic interests, and um, so we've been you know we've maintained that relationship for a long time, and. Um, you know, there's, it's, I feel like it's really important for, for any artist to have sort of a, a personal benchmark in their life of like someone that you can sort of 
use as a sounding board who's really close to you that uh, you can trust and um and also has the sort of artistic and aesthetic intelligence that it's you know that that, that you can that you can trust and yeah. um Brian not, is not definitely like that. A yes, man. Or yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's great. Right. I loved it. Oh, what a good right. song. Yeah, and it's, so it's important because it makes you, because you know you're going to be sharing it with your work with this person. Right. So you're not going to sl- you're not going to slouch because you know that you know Brian's going to hear it. I can't I can't just half-ass can't this, phone you know? it in. Yeah, exactly. Brian's listening. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, but it's cool because that's you're, a good motivator, though. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, it is. You're you're talking about what I was talking about, like making the moment is is the is is creating that situation in which all the people that are all going to play at one time are all pointed in the same direction and they're all feeling it and they're positively motivated or negatively or whatever they need but in your situation because it is insular you have most of the work going yourself you have to make that moment for yourself when does this happen do you set aside time to do this during a day or do you try to or is this like just really oh i just feel like oh, i get this track you know or does it how does that work um you know there i it's it's a lot more rare nowadays that i get that like that sort of that gut like inspiration feeling that i would get when i was younger like oh i can't wait i gotta right. write you know like that yep. like you can feel it you know you get butterflies you know you've got an idea uh I, that doesn't happen so much so it's it definitely has become a disciplined thing um, it's like there just are, like there a are thing few, you do now. Yeah, exactly. There that I I feel a responsibility towards, and right. there are a few things in my life that that I do that I otherwise do, you know. Um, but yeah, it's like just like a you know a, a runner has to keep you know keep practicing their their running and a cyclist or whatever. Um, I that's the thing that I feel responsibility towards to keep in shape is like you know is creating right. You, know, you find yourself recording. Having- having to like force it like if you're not feeling sometimes it or whatever, yeah like, oh, but I'm it's just like, gonna do it i make it part of i make it like a work ethic sort of thing you know and like uh, you know I'll, uh, when i have when i have a day off to do that and when i have um basically when i have free time i'll you know it is sometimes you know i'll make myself work and sometimes it's like i don't want to do this you know but usually it Usually that 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 sort of hesitation to work is paid off with you know I'm actually really glad I did this you know it's, right it's, I mean something's going to happen on the other side of it well I think yeah. this is kind of a, a a modern issue where where the composing process doesn't stop once all the notes are down for example on paper I, I realize you don't write everything on paper but uh, the old school composer would say, well, the really old school composer would say, hey, Briggs, play this with me. Uh, here's how it goes, right? Then, you know, then you get the the more composed uh, approach where someone will write down all of the parts that everyone will be playing. Yeah. But they're basically done at that point until they go find a bunch of people to yeah. do it. Now you're in the situation where not only can you compose the part, but you can record them. But when you're recording, we're, we're leaving off some other steps. I mean, you're obviously doing some pre-mixing. You're making the sounds of each thing. Yeah. You're creating and producing each of those sounds as well. So thank you, Jack. So the uh, <laughs> Jack the dog making his making his mark, making his um, own sense. So so the actual process becomes extended because what you end sure, up with sure. in the end, this recording, if you play all the parts, if there's ten parts. 
you got 10 jobs for one song. Yeah. So you're the, the, that inspirational moment, that fleeting moment where it's like, ah, oh, this is fucking coming to me and here it comes is it'd be hard to believe that you're going to hold that true through, right. You know, another 11 days of work, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so. it becomes, it easily becomes overshadowed by all the, the things you have to do um, in the production end of things, which I love as well. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that I found that I, that I, that I loved when I decided to, you know, um, stop doing musical theater stuff and start and start recording right. my own songs was, you know, those first recordings, you know, they're just, uh, you just record. And, and when I, when I recorded on my four track, I, I didn't really, I didn't know how to use an EQ, for instance. I had one. I didn't really know how to use it. I didn't have any sort of compressors or any any sort of that sound reinforcement stuff. And so, you know, 2005, roughly, when I started recording again, you know, I I didn't, I still didn't really have all that stuff. So it's like, well, you record your songs. You, it's all about the song. And then eventually, I realized it's about the sound as much as it right. is about the song and, and a lot of that co- i mean really comes through you know listen having listened to a lot of your music i mean it, it seems like that's also part of the process yeah like the, it's the totally particular sound yeah. uh yeah kind of influences the song and vice versa kind of thing yeah definitely i, I mean I, I learned to like really really love that and um you know and, and especially working on a on a sort of an on an album level it uh Kind of the idea of together. yeah, the idea of making a, a general overall sound uh, for an album is really uh, really exciting. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, it, yeah, it's kind of satisfying to listen to as well. Like watching a movie, you know, have if if it's shot a right, right, way exactly. There's specific yeah. themes that they're trying to evoke. It's kind of a similar sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. The large format. It's not uh, not just like a collection of songs right, or whatever. Right. It's a it's one long piece or not. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Like, not necessarily one long piece, but everything's kind of right. fits in that same box. Or and whatever. it wasn't, in, it certainly wasn't intuitive to me. Like I really, it took a, a long time to really sort of wrap my head around ideas like, you know, compressors and, and sure. EQ and all that stuff. I didn't really but You have to wear a lot of hats, it. right? I mean, if right, you're primarily right. a songwriter, you're, you're not necessarily going to be... Uh, familiar with all of the you right. know, the technical details, right? But, exactly. I mean, that's kind of one of the nice things about recording by yourself in you know at home. You can kind of take the time to learn about it, and right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was, and it's it became important to me to be able to do myself because it was just that uh, that extra level of of control and being able to you know sort of express what I what I wanted to on, on each album. Sure. I mean, you're a pretty detail oriented person. I think especially with songwriting, like I, we've, we've talked about this before, but like it's those kind of like small moments in a song that kind of make yeah. it. And, and there's definitely a lot of those. In, Absolutely. In pretty yeah. much all of your stuff that I've listened to. And there, you know, I, you know, once again, I don't want to give too much away about the new album, but there's a few moments on there. I'm like, Oh, right on. That's the, that's the spot <laughs> that, you know, this was a cool song. Now it's an awesome song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love the, I mean, I like, I like, you know, sort of doing those little kind of moments that you don't, that don't happen more than just once in a song or something. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, I mean, I've always, it, it, in, in composition too, I mean, it's in, uh, you look at a, uh, uh, those moments in, in, you know, not, not to compare anything, but like, for instance, like a Beethoven 
symphony. Like sure. there's always there's always that one, you know, there's always, there's always that one time where the, you know, the, the the a certain section of the of the movement or of a, of a symphony or whatever happens, and you get that one note or that one group of notes that only happens there, and it just it just makes the yeah the, absolutely it just, it's like a climax or yeah. going over the top crest of the roller yeah, coaster yeah. or whatever it is you yeah know, exactly a, so I look for those in in writing in the in the composition of the of the the, the you know the music but also in the in the sound right sound production that kind of stuff does it do you kind of like does it come to you or do you carve it out of the space that the song exists in you know uh, is it like a this would sound cool here or uh, sometimes this ties the room together or yeah, you know what right. I mean, that There's kind of a, thing. That rug really tied the room together. Yeah, exactly. Um, it sometimes does. A lot of the times I'll be listening through something and it's not like I think of it, but my, my brain sort of, I kind of hear something. Ha- I hear the little thing happen in my head. Sure. Like, did I, I almost have to question, right. did I hear that? Right. Or did I think of it? And then I'll, I'll like, that was good. That was cool. It's almost like you're playing, but you're not. Right. And you play some cool little lick. Like, oh, cool. I got to remember that. Yeah. I'll, I'll remember those things. And then you kind of as hone I hear in. them, and then I like, how, how do I create that? And that's kind of that's part of the fun, you know. Right. Um, and it seems like kind of like from listening to a lot of your stuff, a lot of the songs sound very like honed. Like you've you've kind of like worked on them and kind of polished to perfection, or oh, whatever good, you want to say. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know how to articulate it better than that, but, uh, yeah, those, those kind of moments in the song I think are important. Yeah. I like the, I mean, I, I want, and that's the thing is I want to be able to listen to these songs more than just, you know, more than just a, a few times, you know, I want to, sure. I want to put enough in there that, that makes me enjoy it every time i hear it fair enough know? and arguably i mean at least at first you're the you have to listen to that song a million yeah, times while you're God, working on yeah it, right? i mean yeah, even kinda... just like if you know to play the bass part for instance you gotta listen to the whole song to right play right one guitar part you gotta you know for each take or whatever. yep yeah i mean i'm kind of sick of, of listening to it but you know every every everything that i do you know once i've once i've gone through the process of creating it and listening to it a million times and i'm done with it and then I can let it sit, sure, and not have to listen to it for a while. You know, I'll go back to it a year later or something, and it's always see a, how it it's sounds, usually right? not always, but it's it's often like a ah, oh, kind of a rewarding experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's listen. hard to really listen uh, when you're when you're in that space of making the thing. You kind of get detached from it. Uh, yeah, you can't really listen to it from a a, a listener standpoint yeah. you know you're, yeah. you're critically listening where you're, oh the eq on the guitar is bad or the you know this the pronunciation of this one word in the line is messed up or whatever yeah, like yeah. the detail i mean there's certainly a lot of things that i let go i mean i'm not i'm not uh, uh donald fagan and walter becker <laughs> you know it certainly you know there's always stuff that i have to just kind of Leave it a little Let, crusty. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Though. Um, I mean that, and that sounds good most of the time too. I mean, I mean yeah, you know, bad's bad, but right, you know, a little right. bit of crust in there, yeah. a little bit of grit is good. I think, in, right, in general. I'll go back and listen to stem tracks sometimes. Of you know, I'm like, oh, how did I? I you know, you hear things that you don't hear. Sure. When, when it's mixed, you know, like right. oh, that was a bad cut. Yeah. That was a really bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you know one of the nice things about 
recording at home, you can you know right. listen to that, take the time to listen to it, and you yeah, know, fix it or whatever. Or not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you said, uh, you said, uh, you know, Donald Fagan, and Walter Berger, uh, Steely Dan. What were some of the? Uh, well, okay, so we like to ask, what's your? Uh, what was the first album you bought? Do you remember that? Like the first couple first of things, or you you had what were those first album really that early I things bought? Um, well, the first album that I, I think that I remember buying myself was, um, um, the Bangles. Yeah. Oh yeah. That Walk like an Egyptian. Yeah, the, the that, album with that. I have that on, on tape. Was that called, was that the name? Was it a different light? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Different light. Yeah. yeah. That and um, I liked that out. one. I had a big crush on Susanna Hoff. So Who you didn't want? have a crush? Yeah, right. on I mean, as far as albums that I had, that like you know, like you know, were, were, were like gifts. You know, had a my mom's record player. We'd listen right, to, like listen your to first, stuff, like, like your albums. Is yeah. really it's not really the bot part. What were those things you were listening in the beginning? Um, you were definitely right, by the way. Different light. Yeah, I mean stuff like yeah. that. Um, I really got into. I uh, really like. I, I would buy forty fives. I shouldn't say that. Right. That was that wasn't the first. I mean, like, yeah, that was the first. Maybe the first full album that yeah. I bought. But I was all about songs and singles, and so I would buy. There was a record town in Hampton. Yep. And uh, I used to buy forty fives there, and I was. I really liked uh, people like Joe Jackson, and. Yeah. Um, and uh, who else did I like? Joe Jackson, uh, you were listening to Look Sharp. And yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, actually, Look Sharp was a little was a little early. Okay, so for me. Uh, uh, what's the, the stepping the, out? Who yeah, stepping out. Stepping yeah, out. you know, and, uh, you you knocked out some serious Joe Jackson <laughs> shit this, in that first thing. Again, I, it's hard. I don't like talking about songs because they sound. The only way to talk about it is with comparisons to other songs, right? And of course, you you pick up on these little jagged edges, which then yeah. everyone will organize their way. I I couldn't like Joe Jackson more, and I adored when he kind of bailed on the band at the end and just played with a piano trio. Right, right. And he's playing those old songs, and you're you had all those challenges that he has, like how do you play a band song on the piano? Right, right. And you knocked it out, and you just banged out, <laughs> you hit those chords and you got to hit them hard. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It sounds right. so good. So yeah, totally got the Joe Jackson thing. Yeah, and the police, I was big into the police. Yeah. And 45s uh, were, the, were the man. Oh you, yeah. Because you, you'd get your, you'd get the song. 45s uh, for, for the young people were little mini albums that had just one song, sometimes two, but per usually side. one song on one side. Yep. And, and you'd flip the album over and you'd, you'd put a little disc inside so you could play it on your record yep. player and the whole yep. kind of thing. And uh, some record players could play them, some couldn't. Yeah, you had to have that adapter because yeah. it had a big And you'd have hole. to change the speed, of course, to 45 stands for 45 revolutions per minute, so uh, as opposed to 33, so it ran a little faster. Technically, it's 33 and a third. Okay, yes, <laughs> Yes. That's an LP. Yes. yes. But yeah. Yeah. And so you'd flip it over and a lot of times bands would put they the would side. Yeah, it was like deep cut the from that the album. Thing, yeah. Because they wouldn't want to put another hit on the other side. Sure, that's for the next forty five. Exactly. Right. So you'd get all these cool things. Yeah. For example, maybe see if I'm getting the timing right. The police forty fives were fucking great because they'd put something weird on the back. Yeah. They put the live version of Tea in the Sahara on the backside oh, okay. of the Synchronicity. I don't remember what the, the hit was. But uh, they had a few hits on but that. But yeah. that, that was crazy good because, I mean, 
they were playing it live in front of like a ridiculous number of people. They probably flew in a bunch more fucking audience sounds and shit too. Just to make <laughs> yeah, it even more. Right. Because so many, you know, sure. it kills people to know that like Budokan. Yeah. Fucking Cheap Drink Live at Budokan <laughs> is not a live album. Or what are you talking about? It's totally live. I you know. can hear the crowd. How about Benny and the Jets? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's live. Yeah, it's live. Like, <laughs> no, it's live. Gus Dungeon in the back with it. Right? <laughs> Whoever's producing, right? Anyway, yeah, but the, I remember the, oh yeah, the 45 and the B-sides were like the, I love that yeah. shit. Uh, uh, Blind Me of Science. Thomas Dolby. Yes. Flip that over and you get one of our submarines is missing. Really? You just go like, is he talking about like sex? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's great because he's a super subversive weirdo. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and that song is the fucking man. If you, we should I don't know if I know that one. To, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll listen, listen to, to it, it afterwards. <laughs> it's it's cool because it's like a regular song, but it's got all these weird heavy vibes going on. And he keeps saying it. One of our submarines is saying. What is that weird? Not really British voice. Right, you right. Know, that yeah, thing? yeah. The eighties were the best. Oh yeah. What were do you remember any other forty fives from the time? Um, yeah, what was the one another one I had was uh uh sticks, Mr. Yeah. Roboto. Yeah, well nice. Fuck yeah. Had that on forty five. I um, think everybody had some weird everybody's got some weird sticks. Like um <laughs> well they made so many things that were like uh artifacts. Like I have a sticks remember when you used to when they used to laser etch the 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 LPs? Like no. you okay, so you'd you'd make the they make the LP with oh, that's a, a, a record playing vinyl thing like you see the hipsters use these days, <laughs> um, and so it has the circular groove on it, which is where the you know that's where the sound comes out. But then using a laser, they could etch across those grooves oh. without affecting the sound ostensibly. These very intricate things and i have a really uh, i still have it it's a, like an laser etch i don't have it out in here in the studio um laser etch version of like paradise theater or some bullshit album but the but the laser etching was really good they used to really is it like a stuff. visual thing yeah like a I, picture i don't think it's gonna it won't show up well on the uh on the on the internet but i'll show you while we're talking so do you remember what sticks 45 it was you yeah said it was, it was mr, mr. Roboto. roboto i'm trying to remember yeah. what the b-side was yeah um, it was yeah, it was something off of Kilroy. I think Kilroy was here. Yeah, that's probably was the, the album, song, right? I right. had uh, Queen. Another one bites the dust, and on the back was uh, "Don't Try Suicide," yeah. which I love. But that song is so talk about subversive. So like if you listen up. to that, the the lyrics to that, Telling you know, you. on first listen, it's like you know he's trying to convince you to. You know, you know, don't try suicide. But it's so there's so much reference to suicide in that right. song. It's like, don't try suicide, and then he goes into right. these. You know, don't do it. Uh, what, and he just keeps saying suicide, <laughs> suicide. <laughs> just, and, the, and the vibe they're putting down doesn't quite no. fit the message at all. I think yeah. they totally had uh, you know their probably, tongue in their cheek. Yeah, yeah, it was probably kind of da da. You know, yeah. kind of, kind of like, like, kind of musical theater approach towards right. it. You know, like, uh, like a little shop of horrors kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have so many fucking great weird songs. Here's a, yeah. here's uh, we're looking at the sticks laser laser etching on Paradise Theater. It's not really doing a good job of showing you. Oh, though. okay. Looking at a video. No, you can here watch. See, as it comes over, you can actually you'll end up being able to see the. 
So you can see the letters. If you're watching at home. Yes. We looked it up on YouTube. Is it iridescent? When, <laughs> yes, Chris. <laughs> I've invited you over to look at my etchings. <laughs> so this is extended uh, LP or 45 techniques. Yeah. Well, we were saying that like sticks was famous for like weird gatefold shit. Like everything was sure. like an artifact, which for like the wall or something, these major iconic albums was completely war- you know uh, 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 sticky fingers right sure. with the zipper oh, yeah. you know these are well, like mean, major moments in history that are, are that are marked by these artifacts that the companies have gone out of their way to put all this money on right every record right. an artifact yeah. I know but like special moments but these fucking sticks albums are like this is paradise theater with like you know <laughs> w- welcome back to the paradise or whatever it's like there's no they're just doing it. They're, yeah, absolutely. What's wrong with that? Right. Well, but but they great. had these great moments. They have like, you know, Blue Cha-ching! Collar Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mr. Yeah, Ro- exactly. Mr. Roboto was actually pretty that iconic. That was a huge right? hit. Yeah. 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 So I'd understand that, I guess. But it's like, <laughs> it just felt a little manufactured. Oh, absolutely. You know, it didn't feel as like. It's still cool, though. I know. Like. I don't know. Is it cool? Know. I don't know. When the Rolling Stones put the fucking zipper. The zipper's great. Right. That's manufactured, but that's like. But it's cool. War like manufactured. Yeah. Led Zeppelin three, where they have the little wheel that you can spin around and move their faces to the different holes and hmm. things. Yeah, There's a lot of stuff like that. Well, well, aware Zeppelin, of that. How about how about the 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 the, the physical oh, graffiti? I know. I'm, I'm just so embarrassing myself right now because I'm. It's been a long day, Briggs. Yeah. Uh, the what's it's been the a long time what's since the, you rock and roll? What is the the not the record sleeve? The Led Zeppelin one, where if you paint it with water, it actually turns colors. Oh, I don't know about that. <gasps> Wow. Yeah. Anyway, it's probably like fucking Led Zeppelin 2 or something. It's like okay. probably really obvious, but I just can't place X and Y. But anyway, huh. yeah, you pulled it out. No, it's the one with the fucking, uh, you know, it's the one with the fucking uh, ashtray and shit. And the hat. Ashtray? Anyway, you pull the, you pull, when you pull the uh, album out, you know, there's the secondary sleeve, right? There's sure. The actual little sleeve that you put the, 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 oh, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Actual What's that record. called? The inner sleeve. <laughs> the inner sleeve. Yes. And if Welcome you paint it on the, the inner, inner sleeve, sleeve, if you put if you painted it with water, if you just put water on it, it would it had like the colors would come out. Oh, oh. I did not know that. Oh, oh paint by number sort of kind of thing. thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like, like when you when you like, auto, like a code or whatever. If you write something in lemon juice, and then exactly you know. right. Oh, right. Right. I wonder what they used to make the colors. They used hash oil, oil, I think. Yeah. yeah. And just jizz. Just jizz, roll that thing up. Jizz and hash oil. That's the lost Led Zeppelin album. <laughs> it's a lost technique. Yeah. See, kids, it well, was Metallica, so awesome when you Metallica used to buy tried your album. to bring it back for load and reload. <laughs> I don't uh, remember how that happened. Oh yeah, they, I their album cover was uh, like uh, jizz and blood pressed between two pieces of glass or something like that. <laughs> And the album was called Load. That's true, right? That's a real thing. I'm not making that up. I hope I'm not making that up. It'll be embarrassing. For you me. know, you'll notice that I've looked every single thing up on the internet so far, <laughs> just Except to for get for veracity. Metallica. You, might, you know, not, you might. Nope, you don't want to do that. You don't know you're going to end no. up on the internet. Well, you know, <laughs> you look if anyone's so blood. inclined, you know, the internet's got all the answers. <laughs> so when was the first? Like, did you ever? Did you have a band when you were like in high school or whatever? You were, or were yeah. you working for yourself, and then you went into the musical theater. Or did you actually have like a? Did you do gigs and shit? Yeah, I had a um, I band with my uh, my younger brother uh, who played the bass and a couple friends from high school. And um, 
Would, would, you, would you be willing to share the name the of that? Problem? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> we had we had a couple names. We had uh, um, Ambidextrous Rex was the band that I remember from. That's an awesome. Just name. after high school. Well, it, it, it's it's a reference great. to a Monty Python sketch. That's called perfect. Rock okay. Notes. Um, uh, where one of the one of the references made in the um, in the sketch is uh, ambidextrous Rex, and just thought it was a <laughs> cool name. Like Toad the wet sprocket. Sort <laughs> well, of yes, moment. the same sketch yeah. actually oh, that they oh, got their really? name okay. from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we we uh, my brother's bass teacher uh, Chip Brindamore plays in a number of bands he was playing in like uh yeah. spidey and the over god back then and then choosy moms yeah choosy moms and then choosy they oh, they go, got no. us some gigs uh you know choosy opening moms. up which was awesome and they, they gave us a lot of opportunities when we were young um and then uh you know i started a band again with my brother called pull toy and we played a lot in the, in the you know, mid '90s around Portsmouth, there were so many opportunities to play around. Great. Yeah, there were so many back places. then. Um, and that band was called Pull Toy. Did I mention that already? I don't know. Maybe. It's good, yeah. Um, and we, you know, we recorded a demo, but that was it. And uh, then okay. I said, st- then the music theater thing just sort of took over for yeah. for years. So the band you you have right now, or the or the 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 act you that. We're talking about Almanac Mountain. Where does yeah. that where does, where does that name come from? Is that a the, that ca- comes from? Uh, my family has a uh, lake house in Maine. It's about four and a half hours away. In this tiny little town called Lakeville, on a lake called Duck Lake, and it's really remote and it's really, really like, just really great place to get in touch with with nature and yeah, the start. Right? The band, the Almanac Mountain idea, started in 2010. Um, well, anyway, it's a there's, a there's a mountain across from the lake called Almanac Mountain, right? And uh, the 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 band started as a sort of a you know I, I wrote a bunch of songs that were about experiences in nature, and um, so that's why I called it Almanac Mountain. It was just you know a lot of the stuff was uh, had to do with you know with experiences up there, and um, so and it just it just stuck. And a lot and I you know a lot of songs on my first full length, so many seas. Still, you know, kept in that 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 connection between humanity and nature was a, that I was exploring a lot, um, and then I've sort of like on this this album, it's not so much there, but I in a way I sort of convinced myself that it is sort of a little bit because it's like there's a lot of it is like the the, the way that the way that society perverts the idea of being in touch with nature. So that's how right, I right, that's how I right. continue to make the the nature connection with almanac mountain so do you have you named this album have you, do you have, is it public yet yeah it's called crypto seismology and it's a name that i it's a word that i kind of made up but it's built off of like you know actual real segments of uh, you know well, sure yeah uh, crypto meaning like secret or hidden and seism referring to like quakes so it's like hidden quakes and the idea behind that it's you know metaphorically i guess speaking is like um you know the 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 ways in which a the ways in which power sort of quietly and you know and secretly sort of controls us or tries to control us and also the way that we can as citizens quietly subvert this you know the the system and so that 
It's a sort of seesaw kind of idea behind the name. Did that come up before? Was that did you write the songs to fit that idea? Not that not that sir, I didn't write them to fit that name. I didn't have the name didn't come till, you know, till all the songs were written. Um right. Got but it. yeah, I mean when I first started writing the songs, it was there was definitely a you know, an underlying sort of feeling of 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 kind of like sort of uh you know, there's there's a lot of, there's paranoia and isolation on the album and there's a distrust of 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 capitalism that comes through. There's uh there's a whole there's there's a lot of stuff going on there that um that that come out that come out of this feeling of um struggling to sort of fit in within you know in the margins of of uh you know like uh capitalist society um and so you know that was that underlying feeling was there and the songs kind of started to grow out of that um and then crypto seismology just i don't i don't exactly remember how it how it uh, you know how that came to be but it eventually did well, it's a it's a cool sounding word. Yeah, it's too. A, it's it, it sounds cool. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it sounds like an album title. Sure. Right. 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 Yeah. You know. I mean, it's a word that that you've not heard before, but most people can figure out what it means. Right. Right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So so. Right. So this particular it sounds like it's it, this album took a long time to sort of come together. Am I crazy? Yeah, I that? started. Or was it just no. done a while ago and it kind of? I started writing songs for it in uh, the end of. 2014 right really like really the end I, I mean i would say january of 2015 is when i started it were you doing so about a year and a half were you doing something else musical at the time were you playing shows i don't know if, i don't know how if that's what you do do you play played shows? a few i yeah. had just put out an uh I, in october of 2014 i put out um almanac mountain is in like with you okay gotcha um, and i played a few shows um with that did that overlap the songwriting process or do you just kind of do you like to finish one whole arc it did it did kind of over uh this part as far as playing shows you know there were there were um one or two shows that that i played um of of previous almanac mountain songs while i was starting working on this new album got it um but usually I I don't really have songs sort of over like you know if if I wrote a bunch of songs for for one album and one song didn't quite make it I'd put it on the next album that doesn't really or that had that hasn't happened right you know right. hasn't happened yet usually the songs that I write they all come fr- usually come from sort of a big chunk of ideas you know and end up on the album Right, and so then you started with one, one hit, and then you just sort of go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's a fascinating sort of cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone seems to have their own. Uh, it seems to rotate around something for each for each artist, whether it's um, you know their daily experience or uh, some artists. It sounds like you are to a certain extent are are pretty disciplined about saying. I need to go to the art table today and something beautiful will happen. Yeah. If I don't go, nothing will happen, you know, and everybody's got their thing, but it's, I'm, I'm 
continually coming back between the connection between what it must be like to attempt to work on something. I've certainly never written a uh, 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 musical play. Um, it sounds like there's some sort of a carryover over there. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm fabricating it, but but to the way that you're 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 handling your writing, it doesn't sound like you're going. Well, today I'm just going to write this fucking song, and this day, oh, I've got this beautiful love thing, and then we'll figure out a way to make an album out of it later. Right. It, it's the other way around. It seems like you're you seem to be composing toward this, or at least drawn towards this concept. Without necessarily making it a concept album, right? Per se. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say that's true for for the most part. There are there certainly are a, a lot of just sort of one off songs that I've written. You know, it's right. I, um, but my sort of I I, th- I guess I I think of myself or I try to think of myself as sort of an artist who works with music as as my medium. Right. Um, I, I try to think in sort of more artistic terms, I guess, not that, you know, that's, I know that, and I don't mean to sound sort of, you know, pretentious or anything about it, but in, in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, an, an artist has an idea to, of, of something to express and they, and, you know, they, and they create a work that sort of, that it expresses it and it gives people a new way to look at something right. or think about something, right, right. um, in a larger scale. That's sort of how I see my responsibility, and I see that as my responsibility is to be an artist in that sense. Music happens to be my primary medium for doing that. Um, One of the definitions of art that I've read would be creating a mirror that um, that, that forces the, uh, in this case, the listener to see themselves in a different light, which is one way of looking at what art is right, and uh, right. i think everybody can define it however they like oh yeah there's no i can't i mean or, or not even at all i mean i think right. the more you try to find a definition for art the more you realize there really isn't one but i think it's funny because you, you you talk in sort of a negative terms about uh, what it's like to live as an artist in in the society the way it is right now i think for example it's really cool to add an objective number to Art, I, especially music, it's happened. It's always happened. It's happened. Well, I shouldn't say always, but it's happened for the last 50, 60 years um, where you're like, all right, well, so where did that song chart? And you're like, well, it didn't make it into the top 40. Well, did it make it into the alternative top 40? <laughs> oh, no, it did. Did it make it into the college top 40? Oh, yeah, it charted in college. Well, it's totally a success. Right. You're like going, OK, could we just stop talking about charting? And listen to the damn fucking song. Yeah, right? Here's yeah. the song. Listen to it, right? But it's also pretty, because it's difficult to talk about um, music, it's pretty common, I notice, in criticism, in music criticism, especially these days, to, 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 to notice the critic giving the band advice as to how they could become more successful. We're going to work on your critic. sound. Yeah. It's like you're, you, you have, this band is great. The, the problem with the band is this. If they were to do this, I'm sure that, and then they don't say they'd make a lot more money or they'd sell a lot more product or whatever. It's implied though. Right? It's super implied. Like somehow the critic, because of their wide knowledge of, of bands, which is probably very true. They probably have a very wide knowledge of music. In fact, maybe more wide than the artists themselves. But especially when you go into the sort of the pitchforky, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of level of criticism, right. 
it, beyond the cool, too cool for school kind of thing, they're saying, I, it's obvious that all artists must want to be more famous or more X. So I'm going to tell you how to do that right, through right. my criticism. Sure. When, in fact, many artists couldn't give a fuck about your X. They're just doing what they're they doing want to thing. do. Right. I'm not putting that on you, Chris. What I'm saying is that that, that sense of creating something in order to be able to be successful is the actual art in a lot of reality-based television it's look at what's going on with kanye you right. know it's it's almost like going i'm gonna make the best album it's gonna be the best watch trust me watch me do it then he does it and he's like i made the best album this is the best album i have more sales than anyone else right. it's so big and so famous and you're going wow you know cool listen to the songs right it, no the songs it's not these are the best songs the proof is I just sold so many records. Sure. I just I had a record release party around the world. It was broadcast live to all these, you know, other <laughs> stadiums. You're going, "Wow, songs like like there by the grace of my success goes the proof that my songs are the best." Sure, right. Sure. Once again, nothing having to do with whether or not I actually like the song. Right, not, right. You know? Well, it's it's funny you mentioned like, you know, like critics and like, you know, sort of the the pitchfork type critics i feel like so many of the sort of critics of like of you know the sort of indie music and 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 things like that or it's, it's like they're the music is almost a muse for them to be able to write something it's almost like it, it gives it gives them fuel to be able to to express something in their in their in their own sort of way and be able to educe from the music like Oh, here's here's this message and this idea. It's almost like uh, like reading the Rosetta Stone or something. I'm going to yes. translate this intention into words so that My you opinion. can right. And it's like I mean, I think it's a good. It's you know, it's it's a it's a love or hate thing with me. You know, um, music criticism. I mean, I read it and I think it's I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff that 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 they say. But again, you do you have to kind of take it from the source and like what's the what's the sort of motive behind this person saying this stuff is it very much their own experience or are we now hearing the music in an in an impure way because someone else has kind of told us how to hear it you know um so who knows right so do i listen to this before i read the critics or do I listen to this after I read the critics? Right, and you—I mean, that's happened to me. I mean, I'll admit it. Like I've—I've I've listened to stuff before, and like not really, it hasn't really grabbed me or something. And then I'll maybe read some really well-written piece of criticism about it, you know, and like, wow, I should give that another listen and, and sort of listen. And I do think, for example, a, a good example of that, like the first time I heard Caribou's Swim album, I was just like, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't do anything for me. I'm like. This is I don't know. It sounds dirty, and and I don't really end the end the, the 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 musical structures a little sort of I don't know. It just wasn't that. It didn't seem that interesting to me. And then I read a review, and and the the person writing the review described it as like a like like the sort of the the unpopular like CD disco that nobody goes to. That's not really the popular one. It's like and it's like three a.m. in the morning, and so and there's someone you know doing. Yeah, coke in the corner heroin right. or something right. and it's like 
and maybe someone's you know soliciting a prostitute or something and that was like okay now i can see now i can now it's putting the music in this space and i could appreciate it more because of because of that but i mean was i was i manipulated into liking it because of that or you know i i mean i still like it but um it is interesting how the power of suggestion sure um and you can you can reject it and say no i'm not gonna or you you know like in that case i just sort of went with it and said well that worked for me that goes both ways right like sometimes that sort of criticism can provide some context that might yeah. inform your listening experience yeah absolutely. but other other times it can color it if they say oh this is just another band that sounds like band x and you're like oh yeah fuck that. yeah yeah this exactly sounds like band x right, this is right. bullshit. yeah you know that kind of thing well i think sometimes for me the the injury can come when um when, for example, a critic or, I mean, come on, it's 2016 or or just the crowd of people commenting will... What's the difference? Well, well, ostensibly, the critic could come from a position of knowledge and could come from a position of experience and could come from a position of... Maybe. No, I'm saying maybe, but <laughs> on a good day, that a good critic is going to say, I'm going to talk about what I know and I'm not going to talk about what I don't know. I'm going to act as your, you know, as your proxy here, but I'm I'm not attempting to to make this or spoil it for you. I'm just going to get to the point for sure. you, right? I think what Rex, a lot of the times, what will wreck it for me will be introducing the artist's actual life, facts about that artist's life into the into the mix. Uh, an easy one would be whatever the next Johnny Depp movie is going to be. You're gonna you can't you're not going to be able to escape reading about how reading the argument about whether or not Johnny Depp is an asshole to his wife before you get into that movie <laughs> like you just can't get away from it sure um, and I think that happens with me musically I think uh, a, a more recent one again I, I don't want to call the album out but uh, uh, I listened to the song that came up on my discover weekly on Spotify. on Spotify, yeah, which uh, which can be awesome or not, depending on whether or not you're working on some other kind of song and yeah, doing if you some listen research. To, if yeah, right? if you're doing research <laughs> or just purely listening for. Briggs pleasure, and I yeah. work on some shit together sometimes for things uh, like commercials and things, and uh, we'll go and research a bunch of really twee, you know, ding 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 ding, ding like bad. Hey. Yeah, right, right. Bad ukulele. I do see a ukulele. Where's the right? Glockenspiel? That's no, the that's other exactly part of the it's floor, in my right? house. Yeah. Okay, right. good. And I, I I like to get really really really. Before we sing the melody. Uh, anyway, when you do that, then your Discover Weekly goes to hell on Spotify. Oh, yeah. It's like they just based oh, on what right. you've been listening to. Oh, so I know. If you just listen to it for like, hey, this is a cool song. I like this song. Yada yada. Yeah, exactly. Good, if you're listening, like I was playing, I was playing in a cover band for a while, and I was listening to a lot of like Ram Jam, Black you, Betty kind yeah. of stuff. You weren't you playing. Know? You weren't playing in just any cover band, Briggs. Yeah, well, I don't know. It w- it was just some cover band, and we yeah, played a lot of classic rock tunes, yeah, and it with, messed up my Spotify with, playlist with someone who <laughs> almost became the, the vice president of the United States. Yeah, but, I guess so. Uh, not to Thomas Pynchon this entire thing, but the thing that, <laughs> that that I hate about that shit is that I love this song. By I was just listening to, it. I was working, I was doing some carpentry or whatever, listening to it. Then I go to look at it, and I'm like, "Who is that guy?" And it turns out they're like these it was a super group or it's like you know put up together group and two of the people like are execrable people right uh-huh. and it just, as human beings yeah it mean? just ruined the whole experience of the song for me which i really dug and 
you know, as a human, I want to be responsible to that. I want to go, okay, well, these are assholes. And, you know, I guess by listening to their song, I'm, you know, supporting it or whatever. But then the art, me, and the and just sort of like the listener just goes, fuck that. It's, you're listening to the music. Yeah. Is the music good or not? Like, if some dude had to be an asshole in order to do that, whatever, you yeah. know, do you... And so that, I think that aspect of criticism, uh, especially in 2016, which is sort of crowdsourced criticism, you know, right. can really wreck it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Wagner, if you listen to Wagner, yeah. you kind of have to confront the uh, Holocaust pretty much, right. you know? Right. It's a hard one, right? But does that mean that it doesn't No, that's, I mean, that's the big question, you know, is like, the art from the can artist. you do that? And yeah. some people would say, no, you can't. And, and some people would say, yes, you that's absolutely have to. a personal choice for a lot of people, right? Right. Yeah. Like some people refuse to do it. Right. I feel like that's the thing, though. In in the era that we're in right now, there are probably there's a uh, there's a large contingent of artists who aren't really making music, musical artists who aren't really making music. They're per se they're making ads for themselves. So the songs that they put on their album or whatever you want to call it are are actually commercials of to to come see me to be me. Do it doesn't matter what it is and. I mean, seriously, I would I would dare a number of people to to listen to, even uh, I mean I'm already shitting on the guy anyway. I don't mean to. I I there are moments in the Kanye the new the new Kanye album is not made for me, so the Pablo album is not made for me. It's not made for some you know 52 year old like you know I've been playing the piano since I was fucking four. You know, mm. it's not that's not my thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a super omnivore of, of all types of music. Sure. I just am passionately in love with all types of music. It's not made for me. But I would say if you really could get away from that altogether, without context, a lot of that album is very difficult to parse. It's And the context is, that's Kanye. Yeah. Given the context, obviously it works beautifully. You Given the fact that you can't wait to spend fucking two thousand dollars on a pair of yeezys yeah <laughs> that when you hear it the fact that it doesn't quite work and it still kind of works is so like it's almost been like bespoke made for you like your own personal uh-huh. pair of yeezys you know right right and i know this is driving breaks nuts it's like but but yeah i'm gonna let you finish duncan yeah, thank but. you <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is Oh, I wish I. What artist should have won the uh, one the way better than the Pablo record of the year? Oh, I don't know. The There's new, a lot of right. hate for Kanye, and I'm yeah, I'm I don't mean skept- I don't, I'm, I'm not I'm talking about skeptical it. Yeah. of it. You know, I'm just saying that like you have to have the context in order to understand why this is quote good or bad in the first place. Right? Why right. is this dude dressed in like a pink, blue, and white grandma sweater inside a tiny little box on Saturday Night Live, like? With like three weird people doing this thing where I don't really understand what he's saying, singing through a really shitty auto tuner. Like, was he playing an NPC? He doesn't play anyway. Yeah, I've seen him play an NPC before. <laughs> he was and just he was singing through an auto tuner, but and then some, you know, large gospel woman goes off in gospels. And the truth is Pink that foot. taken away from that context, it just doesn't. It's yeah, but in context, it totally makes sense and right, it works. Right. You know, and it's this, I am, I have told you that I am an artist. I am the greatest contemporary artist and here's my greatest contemporary art. And then you watch it and you're like, that's part of the deal. Like the, the boast is part of the, sure, sure, sure. the whole package. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's funny that 
you know when you when you run into like what you're talking about with your your material chris like you're 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 you have a you're creating art as an artist to express an emotion putting it out doing this you know beautiful quality piece of work sending it out into the world and it floats it's it floats away and does what it's going to do you know i mean that's a wonderful positive vibe i don't think that there's anything that is locked down to this kanye concept that somehow makes what the rest of us are doing uh, lower or better but it's so no. easy to add the number yeah well how many fucking albums did you sell briggs yeah units? and then how I, many? I refer to them as units yeah and how many units yeah, that's right, because nobody sells albums anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many units did, uh, did more Kanye? Than you. Yeah, more than you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you suck, and Kanye is the best. And it's like, yep. wow. Right, yeah, people always, you know, when you people ask you there, about how you big tell is your people unit? about, oh, really? Like, you know, oh, I've got the, <laughs> right, exactly. Wow. Um, but, you know, you, you, you tell people about in your life, you know, about like, you know, uh, oh, you know, I've got this song. I put the song out there. I've got this album. What's going on? Oh, really? How many, you know, how many people heard it or how, how many, many people were there? How many, it's like get? it's all about quantifying yeah, it. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I see what you're, you're getting at. You, you want to, you, you know, people that, you know, that are rooting for you to, you know, to, to make it big, you know, with, with your music are looking for that to quantify but that that uh but you know i don't know like it like if you really look at at the stuff that i'm putting out there at least musically it's like it's not it's it's not about that it's like you if you you wouldn't ask those questions if you kind of understood uh, that you know right. yeah exactly the, and 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 people don't understand until they meet someone who's been in the music business and understands how it works what how much of this looks like success and what actual long-term success in a business like the music business yeah. actually is because you know you can look at who, who's hot now like you know Tyga or whatever these guys well he's a great example he borrowed uh, his is the story who knows what actually happened but the story is you know, he borrowed what two and a half million bucks from one of the Kardashian girls who he's dating and oh, okay like now he's going bankrupt and he goes up to his bankruptcy hearing in like a Maybach and you know, you're like going, that is not a sustainable business model. No, right? no. I guarantee you, you're going to have no fucking idea who this guy is two years from now, unless he keeps going out with the Kardashians. That's a different thing. Cause that's just fame, fame, fame. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty of them. He yeah. can just Musically, work his way through. That's, that's, that's not nice. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. People are people. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, no, but the uh, the idea of that people would say, well, here's a famous person, right? But right. Mark Maron's doing a fuckload more earballs than any goddamn MTV show that he's on. Yeah, I mean, people <laughs> people think what you know, fifty million people are watching an MTV show. No, no way. There's no way. It's a it's a tiny well, audience. Except when Tiger's yeah. on. No, that's what then I'm saying. Nobody's watching. I'm kind of glad I don't really know who you guys are right? talking about. <laughs> no, but, but there's your point. But I mean, but, but Mark Maron's podcast is doing how many a week is killing it. I mean, the, oh those, yeah, sure. If you're like old white more. people, right? I mean, what I'm, what I'm saying Maron. though is that most people would consider someone like Tyga's like MTV TV show far more quote successful than oh, Mark sure. Maron's podcast. Yeah, because he does it out of his garage, right? Or whatever. Until you tell him that the president of the United States went on Obama. Right? Do you see what I mean? Like. That's actual success. That's continued 
uh, sure, expression. Sure, guys been doing it for years. And, and it, making it's a crap load of money, yet. and everyone's engaged. He's engaged in audience. He's communicating on a regular basis. That's And so it's very hard for people to understand what, what success actually right. is. Borrowing a shitload of money from a record company and then making believe that you have a crap load of money, renting everything, and then going back to being nobody two years later right. is not actually success. No, no. And, you know, and, and I think like, um, you know, at certainly at some point I had to come to terms with this idea that like, Hey, you know, these, these, all these songs I'm writing, they're not making me successful at, you know, in a, they're not making me lots of money. They're not making me in famous, you know, certainly you have to come to ter- terms with that. You have to, you know, some people would call it, you know, you know, you, you're sort of making excuses, but it's, I don't see it that way. I think like you, there, there's a time where it's like, well, you, this is what I, this is what I do. Like, sure. you know, you have the opportunity to like, well, just do this, you know, and I've written stuff for, for, for TV and radio and things like that. It's just, it's not, and, and it's great. And, I, and, I, and people that do that, I, I you know, I, I love that. I just, I haven't had the success doing that. And at some point I had to come to terms with that fact and, and be like, well, this is really what's my. This is what motivates me creatively is to do, is to continue doing these, these, these artistically satisfying uh, pieces and um, and uh, and sort of not not worry too much about the you know put them out there. They're my children. You know, I'm proud of them. You know, yeah. I want them to get out. I want to, I want to put them out into the world and have people appreciate them and and uh, that's the most important thing. But like there's a there's a lyric in the like on the last song in the album right. that that goes uh um if I leave a mark, look for it in the dark. You know, and that sort of speaks about my uh you know, it's like I'm not I'm not out there like being all you know look at me look at me i don't like bringing attention to myself i've never been that kind of person um i quietly put my 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 ideas out into the world they mean a lot to me but i've never been really aggressive about making people look at them you know or or pay attention to them you know they they're if people get them that's that's really rewarding to me if someone i wasn't expecting to connect with connects with it and that and i make that connection that to me is like the most rewarding thing you know and it's and it's 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 a lot of comfort in the fact that like you know i didn't make a big career out of out of making music you know it's it's yeah. a, it's such a beautiful thing to say man who's the guy i don't i wish i i should probably look up the quote i'll look it up after we say it but um the idea of hiding your light under a bucket and letting it grow and then yeah. when someone lifts up the bucket they see everything that you've yeah, ever yeah. done. I mean, that's a like a geode or something. It's like a beautiful that, that thing. It's a but it's a really good way of looking at, in my opinion, at your your art, your creativity. You know, like even people look at John Cougar Mellencamp, right? He's writing some songs and then some bullshit B side shit song that they wrote. You know, me and me were Jack and Diana. Right. You, you listen to him talking, right. and he's like, that's the fucking hit. I mean, that's the hit? Like, right. you know, the guys in the band going, what? You right. know, right. Yeah. and they realize that they have to play this damn song now for the next 20 years. Every yeah. Night. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, even people who are, l- like, laser-focused on being 
incredibly famous rock stars or whatever you want to <laughs> music the word doesn't really exist anymore but at the time you know are completely surprised by what's actually happening like that's the thing that hits yeah you know a little yeah. ditty yeah. it's just a little ditty uh, no, exactly. really like and and the thing is so even that's its own version of hiding your light under the barrel like you know, and the funny thing right. is that but but when if you're, if what you're trying to do is just make the next McDonald's hamburger, then when someone picks up the ba- the barrel, they end up seeing little Dee's just like Jack and Diana. <laughs> yeah, you're like, great. Well, I got a swimming pool, and I got also a date on Friday to sing that song for you. Right, right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It depends on why you do it. But right, if if what you do is beautiful, then that in its sense right there is the success that's right? exactly well that and that's the way I, that i decided to look at it too is like it, the only way the only way that i'm ever going to i think be successful in any sort of uh their you know uh capacity of, of reaching a lot of people or, or whatnot is by being completely true to my to my creative uh, being and my impulses. Sure. Otherwise, it's if it's fake, it's just not. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna do it for me. Yeah, I mean, monet- monetary success is not the only type of success. It's just one right. that's relatable right. to people because most people are just trying to make money. Right? Yeah, yeah. In you know, no matter what they're doing. Right, right. And a lot of people don't get that. Like the oh, you're in a band. Are you guys gonna make it? You know, yeah, like that yeah, kind exactly. Of concept or right. whatever. You know. As opposed to a kind of you know intrinsic motivation to just be creative and do right. things. Yeah, exactly. I apparently cannot find out who. Uh, uh the barrel. Yeah, the problem is that it's too close to uh, you know don't hide your light under a, a bushel, which is uh, you know a, a biblical saying. That's like a Jesus. One. Yeah, right. So that's not it. But, well, let's um, attribute it to Duncan Watt <laughs> for, for tonight. I, think I like it. Was, it. I the thought light it was under actually a bucket. Uh, the one I, I, I read Little it, speaking Diddy, of, but speaking of our, bucket. it was uh It's like one of those orange Homer Home Depot I think, buckets. <laughs> I think exactly. I think I got it from Guerrilla Marcus, who's this fantastic rock well, you could argue. I love Guerrilla Marcus uh, as a rock critic. I think he was the one who was I don't remember who he was talking about. He was talking about someone like Jane's addiction or something like that. What like he loved the idea of when you when you discovered a fully formed artist sure which was hard to do you know um and now it's really hard to do because right. it's because artists are delivered to the market so early on you know like well there's, there's also all this pressure to like you know document what you're doing too right like yeah a lot of bands yeah. would play around for a long time before recording anything and yeah kind of develop a style well i mean or whatever. It, well i mean look i mean let's let's not sugarcoat it um in the 70s which is this sort of the time 60s 70s that everybody looks back at, at at this sort of you know this golden era of amazing music sure. and i just read there's an article um uh, recently about how more people are listening to music that was written before like some date than after like the older music is listened to far more than new music now is that by, a rock by band i don't think so well i re- i was actually it's funny you mentioned that because i i recently finished a book that i was reading for you know, a long time. It's one of those books you just pick up and read a, a little bit at a time called uh, Perfecting Sound Forever. It's about the, Beautiful. the history of, you know, recorded music. And and that point was was made and, and the argument, the person that was making that point was arguing it was because of the, you know, the fact that 
the, the music was recorded with dynamic range and there's sort of an anti sort of loudness kind of yeah. thing and that people people respond people are not are not so easily fatigued by music that is dynamic and so we tend to listen to more of those older recordings um i don't know if that's true or not but that just sort of made me think of that yeah as a vector that if if we're talking just about your recording quality that makes tremendous amount of sense and i i mean you're certainly talking you're preaching to the choir here i think um i think i think we're going in a different direction though content wise in the 60s and 70s, you couldn't just get a band and then make a record. Certainly not in the 60s. And in the 70s, it was still really difficult. Yeah. Because it was expensive. It was time consuming. It, you'd have to find... You, you didn't have a computer. You didn't have the, the right. internet in order saying. to teach yeah. you how to do it. Want ads or yeah. word of mouth and you didn't, or whatever. Even, even in the, in the 70s, even, you know, the, the, the early four tracks were, were still pretty shitty. You weren't going to make... A, well, I'll put it this way: In order to become then distributed, in other words, for other people to hear you, you would have had to take that recording that you were to have made, and then it would have to either go into record stores or onto the radio, because those were really your only two options. Yeah. And the record store is going to sell decent records; they're going to try to sell quality records, and then the the the, the radio is going to try to keep up a broadcast standard. So, even though you may have had a little four track cassette, you were there are very few hit records made on four tracks. Sure, right, right. So right. what I'm getting at is then you're going to need some sort of backing. You probably had to go to the record company. Those of you, who, you know, people who know what it was like during that time, you couldn't just go to a radio station like they do in the movies and go, oh my God, this is a great record. We're going to play it. I mean, there's a schedule for playing stuff, which was according to whoever was buying whoever cocaine and hookers, basically. <laughs> you, know, you basically purchased your way onto the radio in, in major markets and all yeah. that. Um, with outliers and all that. But the bottom line was that, therefore, if you were going to get on a record deal, a lot of those times in the 70s, you the, the, the record companies would say, okay, you guys are pretty good. We're going to give you a development deal. They'll basically sign the band, give them a little bit of money, put them on the road, tell them to write a bunch of shit, and then come back after a certain amount of time and listen to them again. And then hmm. either keep them going or not. And they, they cost them shit for money. They were giving them 50 grand or something, right? For a record company, it was nothing. For this band, it was like, oh, my God, we, right. you know, we can get a van. That's a good gamble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, they would do this for a zillion record, And that's why you have A&R guys and you have sure. people who would go out and find talent. And they go out all the clubs. Uh, I'm old enough to have played some of these showcases in the 80s. Um, where you'd go to New York and you'd go into this little underground club and there'd be like nobody there and you'd, you'd, there'd be like seven bands in that night and then the, the record guys would come in for a certain band and sometimes they'd stay or not for the next one and it was creepy as fuck wow. but that's how it used to work and the reality of it was very few people made it to market. So the people that made it to market were vetted not only by their own audiences sure. and their own touring, but also by all the record company people, all that kind of stuff. And while sometimes it was super manufactured, that, on the other hand, was how you ended up with things like fucking Crosby, Stills, Nash, you know. That's how you end up with these, you know, deep, uh, even what we would have sort of considered bullshit bands to a certain extent, like America, you know, with the <laughs> horse with no name. Yeah, well, I know America. It seems like manufactured or whatever, right? right? Yeah. But the truth is that it was the best of the manufacturers, right? It was the best of that sure. moment, right? This is a, this is like, uh, this is like whatever it is you needed 
there's only one Neil Diamond. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't like have 22 more Neil Diamonds because we have a Neil Diamond, you know. I think that uh, is a lot of what happened with those earlier kind of that that era was sure by the time you got to hear it, it went through so many gates yeah. that it had to be just good. It couldn't even be bullshit good. Right. It couldn't be sort of fake good. There's a lot of internal e- control. Yeah, because and- because there was a lot of like legitimate quality gates as well. Sure. So you would see, you know, some and that was the funny thing also is in the seventies and then the early eighties anyway, um, up until the early eighties, you didn't get a lot of uh like well, you didn't pretty much anybody sort of uh little young, big titted, blonde hot sex girls was not the thing they were doing other stuff there was a little bit of it in the disco thing sure but you wouldn't think about it if you were going out to see you know a rock festival and then some little you know some 19 year old blonde big titted girl came out and started singing those kind of songs you'd be like fuck that get it off my plate you know (laughs) that wasn't what rock was was, yeah it was a total novelty thing if you if they did you know i mean it's just watch some of those old like uh, things from the seventies, like the TV shows, like what were they like with the old oh, gray midnight whistle. special, yeah, stuff and, yeah. like that. And I was watching one. Whistle, there was whistle like whistle some, yeah, yeah. there was some band. It was like four girls playing rock and roll, and the and the host they was totally patronizing. Like here yeah. we go, we got some oh, girls look at them here. Go. Look at this, isn't this yeah. cute? Right. Well, it's you know, because it's television. You'll probably like them. Down the you aprons wanna, yeah. and yeah, pick exactly. up the guitar. It was like that. Yeah. And the thing is, so when there were women involved, they were like fucking Joni Mitchell, who could just destroy everybody on oh, the God, stage Joni. songwriting oh, wise, yeah. right? And then, oh. and so that's what happened when you got into that '80s MTV thing, and you got the sort of the Madonna era came along. It, it, the, the coin completely flipped over to the other side. So now you get these people. Honestly, um, a lot of people don't take seriously the concept of the YouTube uh, musician at all. And that's to your own peril because there are young, incredibly good looking, you know, uh, sexually attractive, even though I'm sure they don't. Oh, my God. You don't talk to me like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's what in their bedroom, girls and guys who are pulling their guitar out and putting their phone down and going doing a cover of whatever the song is on the radio right now and getting millions and millions of views and making a crap load of money and then generating a career out of that. Yeah. And that and they're touring and those are the people that show up on that Thursday night that you have no idea who the fuck that is. But right. they filled the fucking place and made a bunch of money and got back into the touring uh, van and, and took off. And it's like this completely separate culture yeah. from what we would, you know, older people would consider your your typical process. And now, because of that, because of the YouTube musician, the success of that, and the crossover into you know touring venues and things like that, uh, colleges, it's so possible for you to say, I want to have a music career, and literally one year later, be making something that is manufactured at a, a high quality level by the people that you work with, and then maybe you can sing or whatever, you probably look really good, you figured out some sort of stick on YouTube, and there you are. So it's hard to compare the, the eras. You're in yeah. an era where oh, you absolutely. can listen to 10,000 new songs a week. And people want different things at different times, too. Right. I mean, like, you know, I mean, there's, there's there are stylistic approaches to, to performing and writing 
that are just that's what people want at a certain time and it's like you can't chase that around you got to kind of the way i see it is like you got to kind of st- stand your ground yeah, stake your claim to your thing yeah. and just hope that the gamp you know that that the time just catches you right you know because yeah. i mean you know you think paul williams would be you know today would be as big of a, a you know a hit as he was in the 70s i yeah, mean man. weird kind of, i mean randy newman people like that it's like it's not it's that they had their time, you know, and there's everyone, every sound has its sort of time. And, and, you know, I did a lot of thinking about like, well, I, you know, oh, here's, this sounds popular. Maybe I should try to do that. Like finally gave up, like, no, that's, I'm totally, there's something so, um, unauthentic about that, that yeah. it's going to, people, people are going to know, pick up on people that pick up sure. on it. Yeah. So stand your ground, be who you are. And, it, if you don't make it, it's not because you're bad. It's because uh, the 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 your tits weren't big enough. The wi- you know the winds were, exactly. <laughs> if it's not that, then it, then it's you know the winds of what's sort of like what people are getting into and what's in the air is just not you know the you, you haven't caught that you stream caught exactly that wave or whatever. It's, yeah, there's like yeah, God, there's yeah. That Thank God for Germany for coming yeah, right. up with a word. Words, exactly, man, they got yeah. words for everything. It's awesome. I know. I've been I've been ripping on Schadenfreude mostly. Uh, I can't yeah. say it because Schadenfreude is that how you say it? Yeah, I don't know. that's I how have, I would say it. But it's I have so a funny. I, I, I'm, usually, I'm usually pretty good at the beer. faking an accent. <laughs> I'm hor- I have no German at all. It's embarrassing <laughs> as hell. But anyway, yeah, I can I can say Wagner. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Yeah. Uh, do you want to play another one? It's completely up to you. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, sure, I'll play. I'll cool. play. All right, well, let's take a minute else. to uh, let's let's. Uh, I'll, I'll, you can slide, slide over. I'll, right, I'll, sure. I'll move your mic for you and stuff. But uh, I definitely like to hear one. Hang on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Yeah, we're we're gonna swing a microphone back into position in this <laughs> high quality. Pointed at uh, the couch. It's being swung around. So thank you. Point towards thank my you. Mouth. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need a I don't need a cheat cheat for this. Right on. Or at least I don't think I do. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I'll let you do your thing. This this song is called Disobey, and um, maybe I'll just play it. Yeah, please do. Thank you. Folks 
And the old folks decline to comment And learn to disobey After the cows and the sheep Is he hidden beneath the hay Hey, hey Yes, he's gone to sleep With that whore little Bo Peep But if you wake him, he will not cry He'll go on pretending the old way's not ending and the rich folks eat corn and the poor drink champagne He's learned to disobey Wow, that was yeah, fantastic! Cool. <laughs> Thanks. It's I, also it's a super treat for us to, to have somebody in playing the piano too. Yeah, cool. that's awesome. You know, yeah, I, I dig this and shit. But a uh, little background: where does that come from? That's um, that's one of the you know the earlier songs that was written for the album, um, and it's kind of about uh, just the realizing the potential that we have for sort of civil disobedience against a system that's kind of, you know, kind of fucked up, I guess, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, you obviously have the way I've been talking, there's some clear, you know, sort of themes in here, but, um, but, you know, I guess using this sort of, you know, the, the fairy tale kind of like, you know, nursery rhyme kind of thing, which sort of gave the song this sort of like structure, I guess. And, um, you know the 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 little boy blue you know in the in the in the nursery rhyme you know he's like he's he's the one he's supposed to be watching over things so that they you know watching over the cows and the sheep to make sure that you know you know he's he's doing his he's supposed to do his job his part you know he's he's part of the system he's got to fulfill his role but he just goes off he he sleeps and then you know things go to hell the 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 cows are are eating the things they're not supposed to be and the sheep are doing the same thing and and chaos ensues because he he just he just refused to participate he disobeyed and that's this this idea that like we have there is this amazing power that we have in in saying no like no 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to do what you, I'm not going to be who, who you expect me to be. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to like give to this, you know, this fucked up way of, of that everything is. I'm, it's, it's, Oh, it's just sort of like it's it's kind of the softest sort of rebellion that I can you know imagine <laughs> this little piano ditty. It you know, it doesn't come off softly at all, man. And I I'm in love with the uh, with the the falling thirds. Oh, thanks. It's so yeah, it's aggressive. Like right off the top, you're like, all right, here, listen to this, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this is good. It's coming in. It's great. It sets the thing up beautifully. You know, it's so difficult thanks. to talk about music. You know, right? I mean, music, music in terms of music, sure. Because obviously, then you're talking a, a language that only a, a, a very small number of people would actually. And talk, I fear you know, I, I right? over. You know, it's like it's. I, I I tend to get into the habit of trying to explain too much when there's really maybe there's. There's not always that much to explain. It's it's so much of it is is it's just imagery that like well here it is here. I mean, I could as easily just tell you the imagery of the song, and yeah. and it explains as much as has to be explained. You know, sometimes I over-explain by trying to define it too much, and I probably just did. No, but I don't well, feel sometimes like it's did. better to just sit on your tuffet and listen. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, no, right. but I think that's. But let's let's see it in 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 time. I mean, I, I just listened to the song, and I did develop my own. Discovery. Right, and that's, I, import- I had that that's important to me, yeah. and that's why, yeah, that's why I, I'd prefer that we talk about it after the song rather than before. Right, right, and that's, uh, yeah, and then when you hear it from the point of view of the artist in the first place, it allows you to go back and listen again. We tried it in our in our first uh, in our first uh, podcast. Have the we'll play the same song twice. Yeah, talk about thing. it and yeah. then have them go back. Listen, but I mean, but talk, yeah, listen again. It's easy enough for for someone to just sort of scroll back and listen again if they like. Right, but sure, sure. Not to say we won't ever do that again, but. Um, no, but in that situation, you know, it, it's, these are super clear songs too. I mean, I, I, again, I don't mean to characterize them. to me. Yeah. Yeah, cool. man. Wow. I love the way you, you choose, uh, like a feel or like a vibe and then you sit there and then the words that you deliver have, they can fit within the vibe, but there's also a little bit of a cognitive dissonance. Th- yeah. And that dissonance is a very powerful simple contrast and it makes me hear all the words i love that that's you that's so great that you that you that you grasped that that you got that because like i, well, it's I so really you, you it's it really like important to me that no, i that, wasn't the one who did that you did that. well i know i know i, I guess <laughs> but so. thank you it's obviously because of me yeah, right. <laughs> well yeah i mean I, I really like to uh to make those contrasts of like the content of the music and what's being said it's really really interesting to me so it's nice to to when that no because well cause no they, not i mean not everybody most people don't you know well oh, whether or not song, people you know. can kind of cerebralize it you know they're feeling it you know what i oh, mean yeah like yeah subconsciously I'm, I'm versus exactly. consciously yeah yeah like a good music critic yeah, i'm simply exactly, trying to right. tease apart the actuality yeah, yeah, yeah exactly no i mean i think by talking about it it brings it to light that's what i'm trying mm-hmm. to get at for me i think the success um it, there's a lot of success in that song, but one of the successes is I do not feel it is simple to, if you're attempting to deliver a message through lyrics, I feel it's difficult many times for artists to actually effectively deliver the message in the <laughs> lyrics. Uh, 
and also create a song and a production and a and a recording. Sure. I think a lot of the times it's there's too many distractions in the process of recording. Yeah. And by the time you get done, you get this thing that sounds great. But I still don't fucking know what sowing the seeds of love actually <laughs> means. I love listening to it. I've probably listened to it a thousand <laughs> times. And I get the idea we should be nice to each other. But I really have no idea what he's saying. And right. it's it's not Obviously, if I paid attention or read the lyrics, I'm sure I could do it. But I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to do that. I, I have never done that. Green. That's all I'm going to say. I just go. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. It sounds a little bit like that Beatles song, but at the same time, and every verse, it's a whole bunch of different instruments, and yeah. they do the thing, and it's great. I love the song. Yeah. But as a as a message delivery format, maybe not the most clear <laughs> is all I'm saying. You know. But then you listen to you know black. And white, white, and then yeah, he changes yeah. it to blue, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, like couldn't be more clear. Yeah. In that example there, you know, uh, the piece. What's the piece called? Is disobey. It disobey. Yeah. yeah. In that, in the example of of your piece, disobey. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that that simple little dissonance just made it stand out in relief, and that that's fantastic. Cool. What a cool, um, you know, piece of I don't know. It's like uh, it's a technique. It's not artifice. It's like a technique. It's a great technique. Anyway. Yeah, it just it worked. I found it, and it was like you know, okay, that uh, that's neat. I'll do a little. You know, I've, I I love uh, chromaticism in music. You know, I love late romantic music, and that's you know, it's yeah. that kind of stuff is all over it. You know. And, oh, it's great. It's frilly, but at the same time, it's totally not what you're supposed to do. So right, it's, right. It's, it's frilly, <laughs> but but what the fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. It's, it's lost. It's trying to find right. home. Are those mordants? Are you using, <laughs> you're using an approach cadence, aren't you? <laughs> I'm searching from some sort of tonal center, but I'm yes, not finding exactly, it. Yeah. Obviously he's using chromaticism. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. It's one step away from postmodalism. <laughs> no, don't fuck with my, no. Postmodal is real. All right. Just stop. Postmodal music breaking your balls, man. Real shit. You gotta back off the postmodalism. Anyway, postmodalism. Yeah, not, I'm not familiar it, with actually, it. Actually, it's not postmodalism. It's just using postmodal techniques. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Okay. Semantically, I'm <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Anywho's, uh, no, fantastic piece of music. Man. Thank you. So, how does the listener interact with you do you do you use a website situation do you are you a, a band camper how does this work yeah what, what would you prefer let's say someone goes oh shit i just heard some really cool shit i'd love to hear some more shit i'd love to come and see this dude play what's almanac mountain how does that work uh, well you know I, I try to sp- i try to spread my my you know my hands out a little bit you know dip my fingers into the different Right platforms like uh, you know, um, I do I do release my stuff on Bandcamp um, as Almanac Mountain. Yep, and you can look. You know, uh, you can you can go if you go to almanacmountain.com, it'll take you to my Bandcamp. Back page. catalogs all yeah, there. Back catalogs all there. Um, there's also you know uh, a SoundCloud page too. Right. Um, I have a personal website uh, that does because I do other stuff other art stuff mm-hmm. and like uh video and photography stuff so i have a page it's christophercody.com Christopher where Cody. i sort it's sort of like a portfolio of all the different creative things that i do um 
And then, you know, Facebook, I'm on there. I'm I'm not the best social media person. Twitter I have, but I don't I just have my Facebook, my Almanac Mountain Facebook connected to my Almanac Mountain Twitter, so I don't have to do both. Right on. You know? <laughs> so uh No, that's cool. But oh I see. So Christopher actually wow. So Christopher Cody dot com is a, a probably is that a good place to start? Yeah, I would, rather, I would say probably almanacmountain.com, yeah. you know, for, for the, the musical, the music stuff. That's probably the most yep. direct way. That makes sense, right? And that's nice. Yeah, you have the SoundCloud page. Yep. You have the Bandcamp page. And then you're talking about um, the next step for this material. The first time this material will be available to the public would be... In October, yep, October twenty first. It's the album's being released. We're doing a release show on right. Thursday the twentieth. Um, so it'll be sort of like a midnight release, I guess. You know, because right. the show will go. <laughs> you know, the show will go to till till midnight. Right. So um, uh, the show is Bird's Eye Lounge, Bird's Portsmouth, Eye, yeah. Almanac Mountain, Thursday, October twentieth. Is yeah, that correct? That's right. Yep. And uh, releasing Crypto Seismology, got the it. album. Yeah, right yes. Bam. This is beautiful. Yeah. This is fantastic. Uh, Chris, thank you very much. Thank for you, Thanks, Duncan. For coming out Thanks, and making John. this yeah. happen. Um, I'm, I'll, I will absolutely be there. We'll be there to, to awesome. check out the action. I'll be there, too. Yeah. Are you going to play? <laughs> yeah, I'm playing bass. Oh, yeah, yeah. snaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Should I probably put that together? <laughs> Everyone else has figured it out before I have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fun. Be good. That's a yeah. great space, too. I really like yeah. that place a lot. yeah. So the way I, the way I see it before you know not to, not dragging on or, or anything no, but no, no, you know we'll do the good, we'll do the album talk. you know start to finish and then probably end with some some old stuff that you know John is familiar with that we've played in you right. know in, in in past shows so. that's a good way to do it it's like a two set kind of thing, yeah yeah right? exactly oh and I should say also uh, oh towers, yeah, towers of, of silence silence Nate aka Groth, Nate Groth right? yeah. is going to be opening up that's going to be awesome um, He's really great. setting the mood for the you know for the 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 the, the 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 event which i'm excited about you know some ambient electronic pretty stuff cool stuff too yeah. uh so occasionally he he plays with band too uh, mm-hmm. i saw them perform at 3s in portsmouth a few months back now okay it was, it was so good like he's great he's really yeah. good i like him a lot. and he's and he's and he's a wicked nice guy yeah too, absolutely so. um shout that artist out again please nate groth uh towers of silence is is the the project or whatever. Yeah, and that's mean, he's, the, uh, he's been in this area forever. Sure. And he does, like, I don't know if he's bringing like a full modular synth or whatever, but he's got like That'd a lot awesome. of toys. I don't know. And he, I don't know. I don't know. He does whatever and it's always good, you know? And yeah. that's, uh, he'll be opening. Yes. Towers correct. of Silence will be opening for yeah. Almanac Mountain that night at the Bird's Eye Lounge Tuesday, yeah. October 20th. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks, Fantastic. I uh, awesome. really appreciate you uh, coming in, too. Uh, Chris came along before we've posted any of these podcasts, so this is a blind moment for for uh, him, and we appreciate it uh, as we begin to get this project up off the ground. Yeah. And, Pleasure's uh, mine. It's starting to feel like... It's starting to feel... It's starting to feel sort of like it's got its starting to feel motivation going a little more I'm forward moment starting to feel you're just going to say that yeah okay i'm getting a feeling all right people <laughs> sayonara <laughs> talk to you next time bye bye